¡Welcome to México, amigo! Bienvenido a la Playthrough Podcast. My name is Andy Gilmore and with me, as always, are my three amigos, Chris Worthington. Hello, Chris. Andre, Andre, Iba, Iba. <laughs> James Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even sure if we'd started. Hello. <laughs> oh, this is the start. Trust me. <laughs> Hello, Jim. And Mads Christiansen. Hi, Eddie. Good evening, Mads. <laughs> With our culturally sensitive introduction, as always. <laughs> um, this is. You need to go on. Uh, indeed, yeah. This is um, a very significant episode 50 and covers part two of our current playthrough, Rockstar's 2010 release, Red Dead Redemption. In this, we'll be discussing our time south of the border, up to and including the mission, an appointed time. But before that, firstly. Well, firstly, 50 episodes. Well done, us. Yeah. That's worth yeah. taking a moment to recognise and give ourselves a little virtual pat on the back for. Yeah, I reckon yeah. so. If, like, if it was an you'd get a little achievement pop-up, wouldn't you? A little dunk. We would. <laughs> how many... In, ju- in how many... just over two years. Pretty, yeah. pretty good, eh? Yeah, that's a decent yeah. little turnout. Yeah, absolutely. Is and that counting think... the pilots or uh, or did we not count those? No, they, they are think. not included. No, so that's 50 published episodes. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Sadly, Chris will have his 50th episode next time then. You can tease him with that for a little longer That's very true. Time. In much the same way as I've never finished Alien V's Predator, you have not yet no, you, you 50, just, you've that, not yet that doesn't count. Episodes. That just count. <laughs> I know. You guys You guys did a stellar job on the Betwixtmas waffle. It was actually, I mean, as gutted as I was to miss out on that, it was great being a listener and just having a listen to it. Mm. Really enjoyed it. Fab job. It was a fun one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's always worthwhile when you look back over the year and realize just how much you've played, how much you've discussed, how many hours of yeah. content have come out as a consequence of that. It was really good fun. Oh, yeah. Well, can yeah. I have the next 45 minutes then to tell you what my favorite games were? You can nope. the next 4.5 minutes if you want. Well, yeah. I've al- I already took five minutes on the last episode, so you didn't really <laughs> give me anything there, right? No, no, we're not. But um, yeah, as I just say. On behalf of all of us, congratulations, well done, guys. That's good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, very much so. But beyond that, Chris, you can start off because we didn't catch up you the last time around. So very briefly, what's been happening? Yeah. How is life? You know, most most podcasts don't actually get to fifty episodes. You know, so I do, I do. You know, joking aside, it is it is a pretty good achievement. That I'm very so proud a lot of it. Of, a lot of new podcasts don't don't even get half that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. Just another well done us. Right. I'm going to stop the uh, stop the self gratification parade now. That's it. Um, 
I've had a good good few weeks, mate. I managed to get to the staging point pretty quickly. I played quite a bit of Red Dead over Christmas, which was which was nice. Always like to have a Christmas game, which is normally a playthrough game over Christmas. So with a bit of extra time there, managed to get to the staging point pretty quickly. So I've been occupying myself with some of the bits and pieces. Played. Uh, I've already finished two games so far this year, which is not bad for... Uh, a week and a half in, thinking about wow. Mantis' th- target of thirty-seven last year. Yeah, like that. You know, it's roughly one every week and a half. Yeah, I think Mads. A, yeah, yeah, I'm, must I'm, be. I'm, Lots of small games in there as well. But uh, well, this yeah, is true. I, I was yeah, just counting everything. Well, I finished one that I started last year, which was Metal Gear Solid, mm. which is part of the Retro Asylum community playthrough. Holds up. It does, doesn't it? Well, that game. Yeah, I'm enjoying yeah, cool. that. How far are you, mate? Not very far, because um, uh, I. Well, what is it? This well, Red Dead's taken up a lot of my time, really, and I started yeah. Embracelet as well. Um, but where I get, where did yeah. I get to? I'm I'm in I'm inside like the 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 big hangar. I've just got the first key card, I think. Yeah, it's a shorter game than I remember. Hmm. I think you're probably like, speedrunning about six hours. Can you five hours? Well, I think be, I mean because in your playtime it counts your deaths as well. So I ended up at about eleven and a half hours, but I reckon two and a half hours of that was on that blooming Metal Gear Rex fight. Yeah, yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I mean, that took it out of me. That yeah. Have you played Metal Gear Four? Fuming. No, Ooh. never played Metal Gear. Never. I've only Ooh. ever I've played up to and including two. Oh, okay. Uh, you got some good boss uh, fights to come in three and uh, and four then. There's some great boss fights in the game, but that Metal Gear Rex one really did get the better of me yeah. completely. Um, but I enjoyed it. It, it holds up brilliantly. I mean, the, some of the voice acting and dialogue is very, very cheesy. Very Kojima, very cheesy. I like that, though, that over-the-top sort of comic book style. I, I like that. Yeah, kind of, there's parts of it which work and there's parts of it which, which fall a bit flat. Anything which involves the uh, the master... You know, who turns out obviously spoilers turns out to be Liquid Snake, mm. but the, his his he's proper chewing the scenery. Liquid Snake is yeah. he's awful. My brother, Absolutely awful. <laughs> oh, he's terrible. Really <laughs> 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 shocking performances there. So that's good. So finished that at the weekend. So that was that was the second game. The first game I completed was one I started on New Year's Day, and that's Condemned Criminal Origins. Have you guys any of you guys played that? No, I've Xbox seen it. Three sixty yeah, launch. I've seen it. Never, never played it. So that's decent. That's like a kind of melee combat survival horror. And very, very few guns in the game, so you're whacking baddies over the head with pretty much anything you can get your hands on. Paper cutters, mm. planks, <laughs> uh, wrenches. It's very visceral. And, you know, again, game that's 2005, launch game for the 360. Holds up, uh, holds up really, really well. I enjoyed it. Monolith, who made No One Lives Forever. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very, very different game in tone to that, but yeah, it's, you can you can see the uh, DNA creeping through. I've had the PSVR hooked up, and uh, oh, you're playing Moss, were you? Finally, good, good man. Moss. What do you think? I tell I tell you what, it's the 10th of January. Moss will take some beating for my game of the year. It's good, isn't it? I think it's absolutely phenomenal. That game, what an incredible experience that is. Yeah. Just it's like a little diorama, isn't it? Every little screen is like something wondrous to look I at. Still, oh, you're just playing a fairy tale, aren't you? It's just it yeah, is it's amazing. Brilliant. You, 
Yeah, and like, you know, some light puzzles. Yeah, some of them are, you know, might have you scratching your head for a couple of minutes, but it generally makes you feel pretty clever. Mm. Combat just keeps you interested. I reckon I'm right near the end of it. So I'm about five hours in, including the DLC. Okay, yeah. The DLC's like interweaved throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. Those poor yeah. That, the, the big toad oh. makes me laugh. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> you had a staring contest with him. No, the staring contest, no. Yeah, there's a achieve there's a trophy for it. So if you leave Quill to just look at it. Yeah. You they end up having a staring contest. Oh, do they? And Quill wins and then he turns around and you high five him. <laughs> Brilliant. It is uh, yeah, it is really really good. Yeah. So I uh, I dropped into conversation at the weekend because with the PSVR being out the kids have just been all over Beat Saber again. And we were we Jen and I were having a go, and we were saying, "Oh, that's shame, you know, it's a bit clunky." This, you know, the whole headset. Mm. So I dropped into conversation about PSVR two, and uh, yeah, it went down surprisingly badly. Oh no! Oh no! Oh dear! Yeah. I thought you were about got, to see you were the, the hero of the day, and the, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I got my knuckles wrapped. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So you I didn't tried to roll the back price, a little. Did you? I was going to say, did you make the mistake? Without mentioning the price. Oh, no. No, I think I would have been on the couch for a couple of nights if I'd mentioned the price, I think. It it was more, where are we going to put all this? And I was like, well, it doesn't take up much room. And we put PSVR in the loft because we won't need it anymore. In fairness, so £200 isn't too bad for VR technology these days for for everything you would possibly need. Two hundred pound is a great price. Mm. Just in Six hundred pounds. Just in case Jen listens, I'll edit that part out. But that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Six hundred quid is, uh, on the other hand, mm. a little. Nobody would pay that, Chris. But what you can no, say no. is that the uh, the quest is like half the price of the PSVR two in it. So that's like a, it's like a sweetener. What? How does that help me? Well, you... I haven't bought a quest. Well, no, but. Do you mean the PSVR 2 is half the price of the Quest or the other way around? No, no, the Quest. I th- I didn't realise you'd actually pre-ordered it. PSVR 2? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I thought you was putting the feelers out to pre-order. Oh, dear. So he's, 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 he's put, the, he's put the feelers out by saying he's ordered the one that's twice as expensive as the other one. <laughs> oh, dear, yeah, yeah, I've do done that. I've put the feelers out. Haven't I have proper felt? Oh, dear. You know, I've gone. Oh, dear. Yeah, so I'm in, the, I'm in the dog. I was in the doghouse a little bit. It's all right now. I was like, but look how good this is. Imagine if it looked ten times better. I'll edit, edit it out. That's where. That's where we <laughs> I was in trouble. Oh dear. So yeah, other than uh, sailing close to the winds of divorce, and uh, I've had a great start to 2023. It's been super. Good. It sounds like <laughs> I, do, I do. I do blame you, Andy Gilmore, for everything that goes wrong in my life. Hundred percent. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. If it, if that allows you to get a PSVR two, I will happily be your fall guy. That's fine. That's good man. Okay. Yeah. Good man. I'll take the heat for you. Don't worry about it. Yeah, good lad. Uh, Mads, how are you? What's been happening? I'm fine, mate. Fine. So since since we last spoke, which hasn't been that long ago, I've, I I haven't not. had a lot of gaming time. So so gaming wise, I haven't been up to a lot. I started this weekend playing Tinykin, which looks really really nice. It's mm. uh definitely a platforming or 3d adventure game where they've been heavily inspired by pikmin but uh, whereas pikmin was a real-time strategy game really this is just a, an adventure rump so uh, you you can use those little little tiny kin to stack on top of each other some of them can explode and others can carry stuff for you that's where i am right now i only played it for an hour or two it looks really, really nice. Nice graphical style, simple graphical style, but really nice. So uh, 
that's that's a game I think if you have Game Pass, you need to check that out. It seems as if it might be a short-ish game as well. So a, a nice shorter game experience that's uh, really good fun. Nice exploration and uh, yeah, it, it, a game where I actually, you won't believe this, but I actually started to getting interested in picking up all of the, the extras and then, uh, you know, <gasps> no, go, go hunting for everything in the rooms. In. Yes, because this is, I mean, smaller, more confined spaces and, and just, yeah, a joy to run around in and explore. So yeah, good fun. Oh, nice. And you'll then be, you'll I, be getting achievements next. Once again? You'll be getting achievements next. Oh, I've been, I've been disabling those. You know, you know, I've, I've disabled achievements. So. We'll make a, we'll make a completion of completionist of you yet, Mads. Don't worry. Yes, yes. Now I, I, I didn't actually get any achievements or complete anything, but uh, I did pick up a lot of. Um, I forget what it was. What it was nectar? I think is what you're picking up to to make some drinks from or some of like that that gives you power ups. But uh, apart from that, I've been playing um, one of the games I really wanted to play when I got my PS5 was uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Mm-hmm. So I've just sunk an hour or two into that as well. And uh, I mean, beautiful, beautiful game. It really looks good. Shines it's on meant the, to look the fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, I was reading some yeah. reviews. I was buying a game for my nephew for Christmas and that was one of the ones I was looking at and that was mm-hmm. one of the, um, kind of across the board, they were saying just how good it looks. How smooth yeah. it plays. So it- it, it, it plays really well and it really makes uh, great use of the PS5 controller. It does lots of uh, funny things there. But uh, it's actually, it's it's as if they, they've thrown so much at, at it that often in these environments, I can't really figure out what I'm supposed to shoot and what is yeah, what is just uh, extras and people running around. And so actually, for, for, for my money, somehow they've made it too full of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> to be really good but I'm, I'm looking forward to playing I mean I have only played it an hour or two so I'm in the same kind of starting area which is a, a busy city and there's uh, all of there's people running around everywhere and I, I it can be hard to figure out who you're supposed to shoot and who you're not but uh, I'm, I'm thinking if I know Ratchet and Clank I'm going to be visiting a multitude of plat- planets so uh, that there'll be others and, and, and for my money better planets to, to play around on but it's a great game it's a uh, it's one of those I will pick away at and, and finish at some point, I think. Cool. Very mm. good. Yeah, it's a series I've never really delved into, Ratchet and okay. I've so, played the first couple of games on the PS2, but I've not yeah, I've fallen off it. Yeah, I've only played the PS2 once. There's three on the PS2, I think. And I've only played those. I have them all three from back in the day. So from for me, the PS2 was the, the machine that, that taught me that those kind of 3D adventure games or platformers or whatever you want to call them are actually great fun to play. Uh, so, yeah. so Jack and Dexter yeah. and Ratchet and Clank were my favorite games on the PS2. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were nice. great. Oh, good. And Jim, how's your 2023 treating you? Good, good. So, so far, anyway, um, finally finished Super Metroid. So I've been playing that since like December. It was the uh, December game, wasn't it, for the uh, RA community playthrough? Finished that at the start of this, uh, January, and then went straight into Super uh, into Metal Gear Solid. But yeah, Super Metroid holds up pretty well. I felt. Yeah, I, think it's, I enjoyed. Yeah, it. it's got a few sort of control issues, which sort of stuck out to me a little bit. That I never really noticed things like the wall jump seem a little bit easier to pull off in later games um, and it gets really I didn't remember how tricky it was at the end so the last couple of areas that you go through you go through North Air and uh, Meridia um, 
it's just suddenly just seems to ramp up the difficulty level, uh, which I don't remember. I mean, I, I went through it with save states this time. Um, yeah, the Craig boss fight is really hard, isn't it? It's the Craig's the one who kind of swoops. I found that yeah. hard when he swoops down yeah. and he picks you up. Not the one that you have to frazzle with the um, with the um, you know the the thing that allows you to swing. Because there's a boss, isn't there, where he picks you up and then you you use the thing on the side wall and it electrocutes him. It's really simple when you know how. Oh, is that the one that you keep shooting and eventually drops back into the lava? No, it's the one after that, one after I think. That. Okay. The second to last boss I found really difficult. Yeah. Took me a while to get through that. And even the last boss as well. Yeah, I told, you know, I've only played it a couple of... Probably finished that about three weeks ago. I can't actually remember the last boss. Well, I kept... So, I mean, spoilers, I suppose, for Super Metroid. You have to get to a, a set point in the boss battle where it, it then um it fires like a rainbow laser beam at you wipes out your health takes you down to like one one bar of health yes. you know like and then a, then a met the metroid comes in gives yeah. you the baby metroid from uh, metroid 2 comes in doesn't yeah it? and gives you this uh like the last uh laser the last sort of gun yeah which you can then yeah. use but you have to get to us you have to trigger that in the boss fight yeah, I just yeah I kept it. dying before because I I save stated before I went into the fight rather than in the fight just to sort of give you that little yeah. bit of a challenge, but yeah it was that's good of you yeah yeah it was nails yeah really yeah. tough they're tough but, games yeah yeah but good fun um, other than that the dabbled I've started playing uh, oh, what's it called boggy boggy eighty four it's a like a really obscure um, arcade game think from nine eighty three think like a Donkey Kong on jank, basically, like the jankiest Donkey <laughs> Kong that you could ever imagine. Single screen uh, platformer. There's like four screens and then it rolls around again. Um, it's good. It's got, well, I say it's good. It's as janky as you like, but it's somehow got its claws into me. So I, I keep going back for a bit more of that. But yeah. Is that the 10 pence game? It is, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. not gone down very well. Just going off some of the no. Twitter comments, a lot of people aren't enjoying it. But. Is it a well? It's not what I've even heard of. Is there any? No, nor me. I'd never resident, heard of it before. Are there any resident experts on that one? It's quite, it sounds quite quite obscure. Not really. I'm I'm thirty one thousand. I think the top score at the moment's forty or forty thousand. I think it is maybe right, so fifty. So I'm not too far. Into the hundreds or millions yet. No, 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 no. Even on like Twin Galaxy, the the top five starts at about sixty thousand. The, the, oh, wow, the okay. four, five, four, four, three, two, and one are like hundreds of thousands, but yeah, five yeah. is like sixty thousand. So yeah, jankies you like. <laughs> Good. <laughs> That's a nice mix of games, still. Well done. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. What about you, mate? What about you, Andy G. Um, it has literally been Red Dead. I had quite a busy week last week. I was in the sim for work. We do like our annual sim checks so that uh, took over pretty much the entire week to be honest that was quite full on so there was a bit of work to do prior to that um, in conjunction with obviously Christmas New Year all that sort of stuff and then I only got back up from London on where are we now Saturday and then I had a weekend in London with my brother and his wife Um, so I was only kind of back to this on Sunday night but really this has all been playing but having said that I would suggest I'm not doing much playing. I'm doing a lot of playing, but I think I have, I think I have rinsed every last ounce of a guavi syrup that there's to be found in Mexico. To be honest, it's I've I 
pretty sure I've ticked off everything here that's uh, that's there to be done. So that, that is pretty much it's literally all I've been playing. But hopefully things calm down a wee bit for me now. So hopefully over the next few weeks as we play this next section, it gets actually a wee bit quieter. There's less to do on the next section before the next recording. And then I yeah. will maybe get look at getting something to play alongside it. Uh, primarily, I had said right back at the start of it, all the one I was most interested in playing was Metal Gear. So I will maybe see if I can get that onto my uh, PS Mini and get that played at the yeah. same time. Yeah, maybe a nice yeah one it's to great. Alongside. Yeah, yeah, it's, that, it's, that, it's, it's well worth revisiting if you've not played it for a long time. Yeah. Holds up really well. I've never played it, so that's oh, all mate. the reason. What, the original Solid? You've never played it? Oh, oh mate, you really, yeah. you really enjoy it. Yeah, oh, I'm sure I would. I know that, so I will make the effort to do so. But the problem is, <laughs> and it may be, uh, I may be in the minority, but I'm... I'm just enjoying this game too much. I yeah. I could spend... So we'll get onto it anyway, but there's a couple of points. So I reached a staging point probably a couple of evenings ago and I thought, that's fine. I can switch it off, put it to bed and go and play something else. And then it's got to my hour or two of gaming time in the evening. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go and wander around for a little while. And I just load up a save straight back to the campfire that I saved at and then just go off and disappear for an hour and ride around and see what happens. Yeah. So yeah. I could probably be doing some far more productive playing with my game time than what I have done over the last couple of evenings but um I've been enjoying that's it nonetheless for escape isn't it so oh totally that's, that's yeah yeah very much so. gaming time yeah I feel yeah, I think so yeah. yeah yeah definitely um well uh well I'm glad everybody's had a good solid start to the year that's the main thing so I guess in terms of tonight's podcast we are going to cover act two which is where we left off just before the stuff, but we just arrived on the shores of Mexico last time. But I guess just to quickly recap what I'd been covered in episode one in the first act of the story, Chris, you were kindly going to take us through that. Do you want to do that now? Yeah, can do. Thank you. Because uh, because Andy is in a bit of a time emergency here, and we've decided that uh, Chris he won't he won't have any breaks, he won't have any pauses at all. He'll <laughs> just do it in one continuous stream. Is that right, Chris? Yeah. I can't do it in one breath, mate. Because I was just about to say. You've got to do it in the style of that say, guy who does all the names on the periodic table. You, that's what we're looking for. Yep. Well, yep. for fi- for for fifth, I can do it in a. No, I won't say that. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> it's you know, for fifteen hours a game, the surprisingly little story that happens. So here we go. Put this together earlier. There's none. This so, is going to take fifteen seconds. Oh, you st- if, you, if you stop interrupting me, I might get through it. <laughs> you ready? Yes. Go. The ready. year is 1911. No, I'm not going to do it in that time. <laughs> so it's 1911. We play John Marston, an outlaw turned good, who's been sent to New Austin by, I think it's the predecessor of the FBI. So it's like the Federal Government's Bureau of Investigation, which... I don't know, I'm no genius, but that is FBI in in my book. But I don't know when the FBI was formed. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, he's been sent to hunt down, kill or capture, notorious outlaw and former friend of Marston, Bill Williamson. And to make sure that he cooperates, one of the agents has kidnapped his wife and son, which is a pretty dastardly thing to do. So Marston has returned to his old stomping ground to try and find former friend and fellow outlaw Bill Williamson. He gets to uh, New Austin and after a disastrous initial attempt to confront Williamson, 
He's nursed back to health by a local rancher called Bonnie McFarlane, who is the first major NPC that we meet. Her set of missions serve as a tutorial for the various systems and also as a plot device so Marston can tell both her and us, the player, about his background and the stuff about the FBI having his family, etc. We then go on to meet Marshal Lee Johnston. He also wants the notorious Williamson brought to justice or killed and together they hatch a plan to assault Fort Mercer where Williamson and co are known to to uh, to hold out. Marston goes around and over a series of numerous missions enlists help from his, as Andy called them, the Sunday League Avengers, <laughs> Nigel West Dickens, a, a grave robber? Yeah. Is that his Seth. Seth, Seth, yeah. Seth I, I think Breyers. we can find uh, far worse words to put on him, but let's not. <laughs> and, and a man known only as Irish. And together they uh, hatch and execute a Trojan horse-type plan to get access to Fort Mercer with a Gatling gun. And Marston, after murdering every last sucker, almost by one, at the fort, we actually learn that Williamson, the MacGuffin, has actually fled to Mexico with, and he's holed up in uh, an area of Mexico called Nuevo Paraiso, uh, apologies, Spanish speakers. That's only perfect. Uh, with, with another of his former uh, allies, Javier Esquire. And as luck would have it, Nuevo Paraiso is only over the river from uh, our starting state of New Austin. Uh, so after a, a long and, and a little tortuous a boat ride with our friend Irish, we arrive on the shores of uh, Nuevo Paraiso. Uh, and are greeted by the fabulous uh, Far Away by Jose Gonzalez. And that's where we left it last time and where we pick it up this time. It, it's it. Paradiso, isn't it? I mean, I mean. Paradiso. Is it? Paradiso? I thought it was yeah, New it's... Paradise. Well, I think it is, but it's Paradiso. Is... Paradiso. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, thought, I thought the same cool. as well. Yeah, it's Paradiso. Um, okay. And yeah, thank you, Chris. Exactly that. That is a very. Neat summary of what we spent a long time playing. Um, yeah. Fifteen hours, not not a lot happens. No, but then I think probably how much of that time was spent playing the main story. Probably not that much. I think a lot of it, and certainly in my play time was. I think I'm up about twenty five hours at this point or something. A lot of it was spent just doing all the additional side content and yeah, me too, meandering. Just to cover off on a point that came up in the. Discord chat as well. You mentioned there how we're met with the um, Jose Gonzalez track. It, it, I think it subsequently has been confirmed. It very sadly, I think that scene. If you do anything other than get on the horse and walk up the hill, you won't experience that. Which, to my mind, is just a massive oversight because mm. there's a couple of people mm. I think who are playing it for the first time that missed out on that as a consequence. So if you shoot your gun, if you enter a menu, if you pause it, anything at that stage other than walking up the hill, then you won't get that really quite iconic gaming moment, which is a shame. But there is the option to replay that chapter, so I would suggest, if you haven't done that, do that. And play it as many times as you want, and then get on the horse, go straight up the hill, and get that, uh, what I think is quite a special moment. 
Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as you've already said, we are now into what kind of the game itself recognises as Act Two, Mexico, and the Nuevo Paraiso chapter of the game. So for this, we find ourselves parachuted right into the middle of the Mexican Revolution, which, like all the other events in this, are completely factual and took place between 1910 and 1920. Um, Over the course of this section, we meet four new mission givers with a number of new storylines alongside our continuing hunt for Bill Williamson. Now, initially, we've only got the option of visiting either Landon Ricketts or Vicente de Santa, but similarly to episode one, for brevity's sake, and to try and keep it on some sort of continuous thread, we'll go through each character's story arc in turn, discussing the relevant points and any standout moments as we do so, along with anything else that might crop up at that point. So, first up, I don't know about you, it's just the order that I've put my notes in, but I went to, and it's also the order that the guidebook has it in, I went to Landon Ricketts first. Did you guys yeah. do similarly? Matt's yeah. Landon first? Nope. Okay, well, oh, we will get I to... Went to uh, DeSanto and the army. Cool. All right, it's well, in... we'll cover up. It's interesting because if you head west from your starting position, which is where uh, Marston is going, if you yep. wander up the hill, it, Ricketts is the first one geographically you get to. Uh, you have to go past the his icon to get to uh, DeSanto. Yeah, uh, I, I, I went there because I wanted to. to find a safe point after I, I got there. So you had to go a bit further west... And then I was in between, like the the army. There's a safe point yeah. down where we put Louisa on a ferry later on. Could on I that safe point, I, I I saved there, and then uh, yeah, I I just went to the army instead, to the center. Yeah, do you not just set up a campsite and save it at the yeah. campsite? I, I I don't know why, but I like to to use the, the houses and the. the this is an interesting. We'll get to this later on, and it involves we're going to have a discussion about what we do with John Marston at the end of our gaming session each night. Yeah, I always hold... put him to bed. So do I. So do I. I always go to sing him a lullaby, and it's 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 very cozy. I always it's pathetic, but I can sometimes spend five minutes going and finding a nice camps campsite to put him to sleep. I'd somewhere that's got a nice view, and think <laughs> if I was camping, this is where I would like to be. So there you mm. go. I'm sure. Oh, aren't you glad you're listening, listeners? Yeah, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> so well, three out of four of us went to land in Ricketts first. So judging by the listener clips and just with some of the chat on discord i think probably fair to say the most universally loved character in the game so far possibly either alongside or second only to bonnie mcfarlane who we all really liked as well so landon ricketts was a renowned gunslinger during the height of the american west and stories of his adventures and fights were commonplace during john marston's childhood which he references in his conversations with him he was purportedly involved in many gunfights including one where he killed the Butcher Brothers in 1896. He was also rumoured to have been involved in the infamous Blackwater Massacre of 1899. And this massacre was allegedly part of the reason Ricketts chose to move to Chuparosa, where he now lives, uh, sometime after a gunfight in Eastern California in 1902 for a more quiet lifestyle. As an experienced gunman, he functions as an unofficial lawman or vigilante for the town. And we also find out that at one point he was married though his wife died at some point prior to 1911 from <clears throat> unknown causes. In a similar fashion to what we did in the first episode, a quick rattle through and recap just to cover off on what we actually did from a gameplay perspective, and then we can talk about the wider character 
aspects. So we get four missions from Landon. Those are The Gunslinger's Tragedy, Landon Ricketts Rides Again, Lucky in Love and The Mexican Wagon Train. The Gunslinger's Tragedy, that opens after an unpleasant exchange with some locals on arrival in Chuparosa. We first meet Landon Ricketts and Ricketts gives Marston a few shooting lessons, the lay of the land and some tips on Colonel Allende, who represents the local government. We learn our level three Deadeye, which allows us to paint individual targets before stopping a bank wagon robbery and escorting it back into the town. Landon Ricketts rides again. We meet Landon and a local man named Emilio inside a cantina in Chuparosa, who is able to provide some information about Williamson's associate Javier Escuela. We discover that Escuela has abducted Emilio's sister Luisa, who will come up later, and Landon convinces John to help rescue her. Um, we also find out that Colonel Allende's men use, ca- use some caves near to El Matadero as a prison and safe house, and they surmise that Escuela may, we- may well be there too. So we take a very scenic train ride out to Casa Madrugada before riding with Ricketts to El Matadero to meet a revolutionary and part-time butcher called Carlos. And he provides a distraction, allowing us to get inside the caves and fight our way to Luisa's cell before we escort them both out. Carlos returns to meet us and takes Luisa away for medical help. Lucky in love, Marston finds a happy Ricketts winning at cards at a card table. And there's a German by the name of Muller who's not very happy and wants another deal. Landon asks Marston to join their game. And after a couple more hands, Muller accuses Marston of cheating, resulting in an intense argument and pistols drawn. We end up in a duel with both Muller and a character that's referred to as the Stranger. Uh, before we have to take out the rest of Mueller's posse. And finally, the Mexican wagon train, where John joins Ricketts for a drink in the bar, but they are quickly interrupted by a distraught Luisa calling for help. She tells us that Colonel Allende is executing prisoners without trial and needs us to save them. So we find a prison wagon convoy. We eliminate the guards and the drivers. We then drive the wagons to the border with Ricketts, fight our way across... And at that point, John and Landon say their goodbyes and go their separate ways. And that also allows us access back onto the US mainland again by that point. Madge, you wouldn't have done this first, obviously, but I guess for Chris and for Jim, a good opener for Mexico, do you think, by playing these missions? Yeah, I think so. It felt very different compared to some of the sort of exaggerated, larger-than-life characters that we'd, uh, that we'd just met. So it's it all felt a lot more grounded with the uh, yeah. Landon Ricketts uh, missions. Yeah, and I think it's that's also probably the only actual non wacky character we've met so far, apart from from Bernie, right? I mean, he, he's he of course he's wacky in some way because he's a gunslinger in, mm. in a Western story, but we expect that, so that's okay. Yes, and he acts he acts mm. non wacky. He's not crazy doing stupid shit all the time. Yeah, so, so he's he's really really. Nice uh, change of pace for me. I loved him. Was, yeah. I, I loved those missions. Yeah, and I think it probably goes a long way maybe to why the majority of people are saying that they like the Bonnie yeah. arc and they like the Landon arc probably maybe for that reason is that the um, they felt very believable and plausible. There was nothing that was happening mm. that was especially out of the ordinary or something that you haven't seen in multiple Western films, etc. Mm. It, it, can, can I just say I love that you pronounced Müller actually as Müller and not Mahler 
of <laughs> okay, saying the game. <laughs> I, I got a B in my higher grade German, Mads, don't you worry. Oh, I, I, I know the difference between my, my Mullers and my Mullers. That's <laughs> yes. just his accent. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that uh, did throw me a bit was the starting mission with the, the, the way you meet Landon, because uh, you, you get into a shoot-up, you shoot three guys without getting hurt, and he tells you off for being bad at shooting. Yeah. What? <laughs> what are you thinking, you crazy old man? <laughs> I mean, that was a bit weird. He, he tells it, you off like a, like a little uh, child who can't even handle a gun, and we've just been riding around on the other side of the board, killing left, right, and center, no worries, and we kill these three guys without even breaking a sweat, but he thinks we can't shoot for, for shit. It's, so, a, it's a sloppy a technique Martin's got. <laughs> Landon's, yes, Landon's, Landon's very, very sloppy. <laughs> yeah, he's honed his craft over the years. He didn't... <laughs> His function in the story is a bit weird because he he's almost this chapter's Bonnie in more ways than one, isn't he? Because he's, I I see it as he's here as a way of introducing us to the new, slightly new shooter mechanic hmm. uh, and the yep. way in which we use dead eye changes arbitrarily and quite suddenly, you know, in and, and maybe not very elegantly from the way it was done in chapter one. All of a sudden now, you know, we can. We have a bit more freedom over our dead eye, uh, yeah. which is cool, but it's the way it's implemented maybe is a little bit clumsy. And then he's also, uh, although I, th- I agree, I think he's a, I think he's a nice character. And I would have liked to have seen, because that's spoilers for the rest of it, but I don't, a little bit, I don't think he comes back oh, in the rest not. of the game. That's a shame. Okay. Hmm. As far as I'm aware. So he's, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed his character as well, but I kind of know that, he doesn't really get any more airtime. In fact, I don't think he gets any more airtime. Mm. I would have would have been nice to see him fleshed out a little bit more and have a little bit more on screen time. And I, but I suppose his role is, and if you didn't do these missions first, then it doesn't really matter. But I think he, you know, he introduces us to by by reference by telling us about you know the main antagonists in the uh, in in the or protagonist depending on your perspective in the. In the revolution, and also he introduces Louisa, of course, who goes on to be a major character in this chapter. But it's, uh, you know, you have these four missions, and then you know Ricketts is away. And I did, you know, I, I actually changed it up in in this section. I went more with the Andy approach and went through all of as many as I could anyway of one character's mission yeah, before same. moving on to the next set. Yeah. So, I finished with Ricketts before I went over and started on on DeSanta. Yeah, yeah, and I think it I think it worked well actually doing it in that way. I think I think doing these missions particularly first upon arrival in Mexico, there's so many points in this game where I picture this almost as a if you were to make a cinematic version of this game, and you can almost picture the point where it's pretty much how the game depicts it anyway. But you've got this wizened old gunslinger just sat in the shade, watching Marston stroll into town, and then. Obviously, comes to effectively. He doesn't come to his aid in this case, but before he gets himself into more trouble, comes across and kind of pulls him aside and gives him mm. the, the lie of the land. And I don't know. I think maybe what was particularly why I think it worked so well. I don't know if you guys watch many westerns or if there's any other kind of programs. But though, from pretty much, and I, I can't help but feel he was based on him anyway. But the entire time that I was watching. Landon on screen, I was just thinking, Sam Elliott. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. And the name so rings a bell. He is it he's your quintessential Western actor. <clears throat> he's a guy who he's in Tombstone, The Quick and the Dead, 
he's a guy very got dashing looking white hair and he's always got that really big okay. white white yeah. mustache and he kind of he always play he plays pretty much the same part he's the kind old wise and cowboy the gun you know the the, the retired gunslinger this sort of stuff and the whole yeah. time that we we're playing this section i was just picturing him and he's one of my favorite actors so i think the two of them together just really kind of made this section in general extra enjoyable but I, I think I think you're right I think he's underutilised as a character I'd yeah, like to yeah. have seen more of him it, it, it's a good example of a welcome use of a trope as well because you know in, in a western pastiche which you know which this is you, you anybody who's watched those kind of films will want to see that kind of character because it's you know it's something that familiar there's an expectation there so although probably I'm not so familiar with the western genre to recognise that as a trope I would imagine that for real fans of the, you know, the Western genre, if you like, having that kind of character in there again is a will bring a smile to the face. Oh yeah, cool. It's a Sam Elliott character or you know, yeah. insert insert other name. Yes, yeah, exactly that. I, I do think, and Mitsuyama raises it, uh, mentions it in his clip as well. He's here. He's here, isn't he? As a like a a warning, if you like, to um, to to John. Yeah. If he doesn't get his family back, this is probably his future. This is going to be him in the yeah. future. Yeah, yeah, and it's not a particularly appealing one. <laughs> no. I mean, he seems he seems to have quite a nice lifestyle. He just needs to sit around taking out the odd bad guy, but otherwise drinking whiskey, playing a bit of poker. Yeah, I can do that. That'd be all right. Yeah, I like the way he chastises Marston as well for coming in, and he has a go at him, doesn't he? Because he says, "Look, you know, how are you going to make friends and influence people if you just come in and start shooting people?" You know, yeah, but to their country uh, and all of the Again, that was just damn stupid, mate. He was threatened. In him. Yes, I mean, look, look at the situation. These guys were going to shoot him, no doubt at all. So he was just defending himself, doing yeah, rather well at defending himself and then getting chastised for being bad at it and then he probably shouldn't have shot them. If he hadn't I, shot them, I, he'd be I dead. Liked, yeah, I definitely like the sentiment, though. I think I, you know, I agree with it. I And I imagine there was a lot of this back, you know, in the late nineteenth century, where you know the people were just going across borders. You know, I, and I was watching a documentary on the Mexican Revolution last night, and there was loads of talk about you know Americans who were going over the border. I imagine there was a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, the, the tension around the borders. I think. I, I also just the, think it really didn't work here because he didn't have any choice. Hmm. So. Yeah, I think he's probably looking at it from the point that he was this and still is this very famous gunslinger and obviously it comes out over the course of their dialogue that John Marston grew up hearing tales of the famous Landon Ricketts and we'll keep revisiting this point obviously over the course of this recording but I think that he serves or this kind of that premise serves as just maybe quite a good example of where I think a lot of the time this story is coming from and what how these why these characters are depicted the way they are in the sense that it's almost as though Landon Ricketts is almost somebody that you would find in these little penny novels that obviously were, did actually exist at the time in the late you know, 1800s, early 1900s, where you would buy them. It would be, more often than not, a fairly quite poorly fleshed out story where there was the character that comes in and saves the day or the, the bad guy that... that you know the the uh, the, the white hatted cowboy runs in and saves the day from. But also, a lot of these stories were in real world examples. You got like so maybe like Will, Wild Bill Hickok and stuff like that, 
Yeah. Uh, Jesse James, uh, even Geronimo. Um, yeah. You've got all these characters who they were effectively writing their own legends. And you think it's just quite interesting when you watch or when you get the dialogue with Ricketts. You, you get the impression there's maybe an element of that where his his story is bigger than what he actually himself is. And yeah. he is there's some he's got some quite I thought some quite nice quotes that he comes out with. And he, he says something to John something along the lines of if you shoot peasants, you become a peasant type thing. And I think later on there, um, when he's obviously sort of aware of what what John's been doing outside of when they've been together. And I think he says something like, if you keep jumping sides of the fence, sooner or later you get impaled on it and stuff like that. Yeah. And he's kind of, he's held, but he does sort of guide John a bit as he as he goes along and is able to sort of impart some of his worldly wisdom onto him. I had some of that happen a few times with me in this game. He did it, for example, at a point where I, I hadn't jumped fence sides of the fence at all. I mean, I'd only been fighting for the the soldiers, and yeah, it, that happens a few times in this in Mexico that somebody yeah. will be speaking to you and say, "Ah, you you haven't chosen side. You're you're doing it all wrong. You're you're fighting for those guys and then those guys and and so on and so forth." And yeah. I hadn't at all. <laughs> would have would have been nice as a program with a, a tiny little if he's done that. Say this. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if that's maybe, again, where I guess a benefit of where we are now compared to where we were there in terms of game design is that whether they maybe should have, well, it should have been a bit more linear in terms no. of your mission choices, uh, or maybe not even mission choices, they just should have. a story that you have to play through in a certain order. They, they could easily have done this. I mean, don't let me play through all of the army missions, for example. Let, let me play the first two and then close them until you've mm. done something for the... Yeah. It's just lazy game design. It's not It's not something uh, yeah. they couldn't have done in any way. I had yeah, a massive issue with that as well. Um, mm. Later on, but in the later missions when we've actually overthrown the, 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 the government, um, I still had a side mission where the uh, Mexican army were... Uh, like taking on a t- taking on the rebels in a village, and I basically had to go and help the army that was now sort of defunct, I guess, because the okay. government was no longer there, um, yeah. and, and torch the rebels that I'd just literally been fighting alongside. So narratively, it was just completely out of place. It would be extremely easy just to close those missions, make them off limits once you've mm. done that, and to bring just a tiny bit of structure to this open world with, the, with regards to the missions you could take. Yeah, I think that's it, because these missions need to stay open from the perspective of 100% game completion, because you can't, yep. they can't gate them off. But yeah, as you say, but definitely... Don't I'm you sure think it would be fair like- enough to, to, to do it anyway? And then if you want to do something 100%, you just need to do it in the right order? Uh, there'd be massive... I mean, there'd be people would be in uproar if you gated things okay. off like that, wouldn't you? If you, I mean, imagine get, imagine if you were going for 100% and you unwittingly blocked yourself from doing something. Mm. I think there may, maybe there were more elegant ways to do it, but, yeah, you certainly yeah, couldn't could have blocked it. Yeah, I think the best way they can do it, which, on the whole, I think they achieve, is that you have this... And I think that's obviously why this... There's a couple of these guides here that give you the order to play them through, and it's also the one that the the guidebook gives you. And I guess it's as much for the reasons of having a coherent story as anything else. But um, I think definitely the the game maybe would have benefited more from having a very linear story, and then you get the the freedom, the exploration, and the sandbox environment from all stranger missions, all the the side bumps. So that I think if you wanted to play a very kind of coherent and really focused story 
you can just go through the main story. But if you want to maybe go and do a wee bit more exploration, you can do so, but not at the expense of the main story. And I'm trying to think, I have got a feeling, I can't remember, I've played Red Dead 2, and I can't remember what approach they take, whether it's kind of a similar mm. mission giver style or whether it's just one mission at a time. I would need to have a look at that. I, mm. I have got a feeling that you can only do it in a linear order. But so apparently they're a lot, lot more uh, focused and, and serious about their narrative in Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, according to people on Discord and yeah, it's, 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 it's different. Than, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's different. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, t- tonal stuff is an opinion, isn't it? But I think rather than you know whether they took it seriously or not, on the um, on we had a similar problem with Horizon though, and I think there is a problem with storytelling in open world games and yeah. how they do it, because we we'll criticise open world games if the side missions are completely unrelated to the main narrative, and then you think, well, mm. why am I doing this random quest for someone? It's nothing to do with what I'm doing. So I haven't done a single side mission, and I've had lots of problems. You've had lots of problems? With the narrative falling down because I uh, I did things in the wrong order. Now, I haven't done a single side mission because I'm mainlining this game right now. It's definitely a problem with this structure of of storytelling when players are going to experience stuff in in different orders. Mm. It must be so hard to make it a coherent story and to be honest I think on the whole I think they do a decent job of of, of tying it together uh, I okay. played the first section in a very random you know whatever it felt like or mm. I played this one in a bit more of a right one set one set one set yeah. I think generally okay. they pull it off but I do think kind of open world game I think there is generally a, yeah I'm um, storytelling in open world games I think is difficult I mean we've seen with Horizon yeah. didn't we that for 50 hours there's very little story mm. and then you get all the story into the last twenty hours, you know, which causes huge pacing problems. Mm. And you know, I've not played every open world game, but I've not really played one where I think a narrative has been truly nailed. Unlike something like The Last of Us, which is a very linear game and tells yeah. a very linear story. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Of course, it's a lot harder to to tell a coherent narrative in an open world, but. Seeing as I've only been doing mainline story missions, that order could have, I mean, that is laughably easy to to make that so that it makes sense. It, yeah, it seriously it, is. I, I, I mean, mean, the side quests isn't. I, I've not seen any of that dissonance, and maybe I've just been lucky, but I mean, to, to, you know, for, for me, in, the, in how I've come across these story mm. missions, I, I'd say 99%, I may, maybe I've had one or two things where I've thought, mm, that looks a little out of place. But for me, generally, okay. it's been it's been good. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend. So it's available on a quick search. I'll give you any of it. IGN's got one I can even, I'll pin it to the channel. We've got, by my reckoning, 16 missions left. And there is a recognised order to play them in, especially if you're just playing for the story mads on the mainline missions. Yeah. It might be worth doing I'd that like just for, that. The, for the last couple of parts, just to see whether mm. or not that maybe gives it a wee bit more coherence um, because I I guess it's hard for me to comment because I followed that the whole way through and so I actually had what I believe to be I, I have absolutely I've loved the story the whole way through because it's always connect one's let one event has led to the next to the next to the next and that the if you play I, I, it's strange because this is even the way that the guy does it it's not like it's as I'm sure you've found out I mean if you look at the there's a mission tree for it as well is that 
you can play to, as we know, you can play to certain points in a character's set of missions and then sometimes you have to sidestep to another character. So it's not like they just opened them all up and said, go into them in any order. So it's a bit of a halfway house and I think that's maybe where it's it's struggled. But I think had it been a bit more... There is a process to planning that. Whoever plans and and designs a point-and-click adventure, that's what they do every single time. What, What do they call it? A puzzle tree? They design like like this graph of uh, yeah. Now we open up the world. You can go to all of these places. You need to do this and this and this. All of these things can be done in parallel, but we need to converge here. And they they kind of draw it like a, a tree or a graph, and and that's just what's uh, what's missing here, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it is there. Bit... It is there in, in some part. Oh, yeah. Because like sometimes the... you do stop and you need to go somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And so I think had that maybe been a bit more forced then it would probably you'd get the experience which i've had which has yeah. all entertained because i think also there's certain stranger missions that only unlock upon the completion of certain main story missions right. yeah. and so again yeah. it, the whole world maintains some sort of semblance of coherence which if you were mm-hmm. just jumping around you would get less of which is a shame and the game probably suffers as a consequence mm-hmm. Um, so who do we have next? Right, well, this is probably <laughs> this will be an interesting discussion. So two of the game's, I would argue, most charming characters, Vincente de Santa and Colonel Allende, two gentlemen <laughs> of Mexico. Um, so de Santa, a 33-year-old captain in the Mexican army, serving as Colonel Augustina Allende's man on the ground. He's ambitious and unprincipled. De Santa knows that he's fighting a war he has to win as the rebels have placed a price on his head. He will do anything for the army and kill anyone that tries to stop him. De Santa is portrayed as a cruel, abusive and sadistic man. Regularly, he has personally participated in the slaughter of civilians that support the rebels and has willingly kidnapped women to satisfy the sexual appetite of his commander, Colonel Allende. He is also a vicious sycophant who is not above sending competitors on suicide missions for personal gain, and he even makes a man dig his own grave before shooting him. Despite Allende's abuse, or perhaps because of it, the Santa seems to genuinely admire and look up to Allende, seeing him as a saviour of the Mexican way of life. Now, whilst it's actually the Santa that we interact with and get all our missions from, it's really kind of in conjunction with Colonel Allende, so a quick synopsis of him... He's a colonel of the Mexican army and the provincial governor of the state of Nuevo Paraiso under the Mexican president, General Ignacio Sanchez. He is responsible for suppressing the rebellion in the Nuevo Paraiso territory, led by Abraham Reyes, and doesn't care whom he hurts in order to achieve his goals. Many years ago, apparently, Allende was an idealist, but he's become a vicious cynic with a love of torture and sexual abuse. He takes pleasure in all manner of vices, and despite being corrupt and brutal, he is also quite intelligent. Allende lives in a high-class, fortified mansion on the highest ground of Escalera, and by the time John Martin arrives in Mexico on the hunt for his old gang members, Escuela and Javier Escuela, that is, and Bill Williamson are already under his protection, and it's known that Javier Escuela works for Allende as a hitman for hire. Instead of killing him, Allende decides to manipulate John into aiding him against the rebels led by Abraham Reyes on the promise of delivering him Esquire and Williamson. It's a very slightly longer story arc we get with him. Five missions, which are Civilization at Any Price, The Demon Drink, Empty Promises, Mexican Caesar, and Cowards Die Many Times. 
they're actually quite short missions in terms of their actual descriptions. So very briefly, yeah. Civilization at any price is where we meet DeSanta in Escalera, who tells us Williamson and Escuela may be operating as freedom fighters in the surrounding hills, tricking John into joining his cause. We accompany him to Chuparosa and escort a supply train being used to lure out the rebels to Casa Madrigada. As they're celebrating a victory, the train is hijacked by the rebels, forcing John to ride after and jump on board, stopping it with seconds to spare when the bridge ahead is blown up. In The Demon Drink, Marston stumbles across a very uncomfortable scene with Colonel Allende publicly humiliating Captain DeSanta. Allende speaks of Escuela and claims he believes he may have joined the rebel cause. He offers John a deal. He'll help Williamson and Esquelia if John help, will help fight the rebels at Tercero Azul. So we race to Santa there, where we find Captain Espinosa executing rebels in cold blood before we gun down all the remaining rebels and, using fire bottles, burn down their hideouts. In Empty Promises, Marston finds an agitated DeSanta on horseback who speaks of a betrayal and calls on John to join him. We ride shotgun to Torquemada, where we're ambushed en route. Having escaped, we find Captain Espinosa, who arms us with a sniper rifle, and we fight our way up to the fort. In Mexican Caesar, we travel back to Escalera, where Colonel Allende wants to hire Marston to protect a train passing through rebel territory, offering him 20,000 pesos and the whereabouts of Esquelia to do so. We ride out with Captain Espinosa, who is suspicious about the true motive of the mission they've been given, and it becomes apparent quickly why that is, as we're ambushed and fight all the way to Chuparosa, where we board the train and man a Gatling gun, which we use to defend the train against multiple attackers, all the way to the army camp in the east. And finally, cowards die many times. In Escalera, De Santa takes John to meet with Colonel Allende, who finally has good news. He claims both Williamson and Esquelia have been captured in Chuparosa, with Marston simply needing to ride there and collect them. Upon arrival at the church, it becomes apparent that it's a double cross, but just as he's about to be executed, the rebel leader Abraham Reyes springs to John's rescue. We recover our weapons, clear out the remaining soldiers before finally getting our hands on Captain Espinosa. Bringing to an end the story arc, or at least that the story missions with Vicente de Santa. Mads, you started with these. How do these hold up for you in comparison? Um... How did these hold up? I'm, I'm uncertain, actually. Um, they, they were nothing special. They would just fetch quests, go kill these guys, go there, and then it, it was... Um, I, I'm getting a bit tired of John doing lots and lots and lots of stuff for people who just say, ah, we know something, it'll be there. And, and he's, he's acted so flatly. So if the actor would actually show that he was starting to be annoyed with this... Yeah, it would have been good, but but he doesn't. He's just stone faced and uh, 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 be better for you if I get some information soon. I mean, it's it, I'm getting a bit tired of of, of fetch quests. Um, I, I have to say, I didn't like DeSanta as a character, um, and you're not supposed to, of course. He's he's uh, he's a bad guy, but I, I somehow f- felt offended by the fact that they needed to continuously draw attention to the fact that he's gay. As if that would make him worse. I didn't really like that depiction, so, so that kind of grated on me as well. Um, Do you think that was continuously referred to, or yes, from the very first scene? Yeah, it's alluded to throughout, isn't it? I mean, uh, yeah, it's alluded to throughout that he's gay, definitely. Yeah. Oh, it's more than alluded to. I mean, it's it's shown completely uh, in 
five seconds after you meet him. I mean, there's this waiter boy that he's uh, obviously very fond of. Yes, so, Kiki. So we need to see that he's a homicidal maniac and he's got no feelings. And of course, he's he's gay there as well. It, it, that depiction really didn't do anything good for me. Um, so, so I didn't really like him from the beginning. And I, I hated the fact... I hated that I had to do lots of missions for him, really. Yeah. Uh, and well, for think... Aliende as well. I mean, he's raping young girls and uh, laughing about it. And again, that is acted. That could have been done right. But it felt as if we were supposed to laugh about it instead. The way it was depicted it was made a bit more like a comedy than a drama in, in, in my book uh, many times when it was uh, when it was shown. So I didn't... I, I really, really didn't like the the army missions and i thought they were boring as well i hate using that gatling gun um <laughs> so that that was uh yeah i shot a lot of horses though lots okay of horses. <laughs> oh, right, there you go yeah. yeah every cloud it's um yeah it's a difficult one because i think for me i think that regardless of how well or poorly or somewhere in between they were written i think the definitely had the desired effect of absolutely detesting these characters and yes. counting but, down but the minutes you until you get your John? hand on them. Could you feel it in John and his way of acting towards them? Because I couldn't. And that's what uh, kind of made it weird. No, but then I guess not necessarily maybe some of the stuff they're doing, but I think you've got to remember John's past as well. And he's probably done mm. some things not dissimilar to what these guys have done. So yep. I think him keeping quiet is... Bad. He, no, hopefully. he talks of himself as somewhat of a Robin Hood. So, so hopefully yeah, so he's been seeing himself as being better than that. I guess having played Red Dead 2, obviously it's a prequel story in which okay. John Marston does feature. And okay. it is, it's interesting, actually, because you are... So I, you've got a bit more context as to what John's past is or isn't. Mm. And certainly in terms of the some of the, the the things that these guys are doing is that, you know, he is obviously has, um, has got a similar past. Or if he doesn't personally, he was with a group of people who have a similar past in some yeah. respect, at least. And so I think he's... You kind of... I think that's John's character in a lot of ways, is that I'm just trying to think. I mean, he does kind of... He generally sort of withholds judgment a lot of the time. He bites his tongue at the point at which probably most people who have not committed what John's committed in his life would quite rightly tell him how horrified they are at their behaviour. But instead, he just mm. a lot of the time just keeps quiet. And um, I think so, so it's a good example is there's a scene where we've killed tons and tons of rebels. We end up in this tiny little. I don't know, is it a town? Two houses at the edge of a cliff and the soldiers just start shooting all of the uh, civilians there, just shooting them and they yeah, fall off the Yeah, it's a four cliff. up at uh, Torquemada. Yeah, I find it infinitely annoying. I can't just shoot all of those bastard soldiers. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that again is probably, again, that's a very natural reaction and probably one mm. that everybody who's playing the game, and I think it's, you know... It probably definitely... the one that the writers wanted me to have. I guess. Yeah. So in yeah. that situation. So you so the right you're admitting that the right is achieved and getting you to feel something you were supposed to feel. <laughs> yes. I'll be a pie, yes. <laughs> Definitely. Alright, that's why I have done my job now, that's okay. <laughs> mm. Um yeah. it was yeah, it is definitely sort of it probably out of all of the story arcs, it's probably in some respects the most challenging one. Um 
maybe in some of the kind of the the kind of what the the, the content that's covered with it but yeah I, I think for me it very much served its purpose of making me absolutely detest them and everybody who was associated with them as well and yeah. I took yeah I'd, I mean the thing I think for me look you know my, my take on this section is the the writing and the characterizations are never ever going to win any prizes are they you know, let's face it. You know, even even for video games, it, it it's not brilliant. Like the, yeah. I, my view is you're meant to hate. Mm. Uh, Allende, DeSanta, Reyes. They're trying to say these are all. You know, it's just a it's a race to the bottom here. They're all very nasty characters, but to get it's so unsubtle in the way it does it. You know, it yep. it's whacking you over the head. I think where I, I and I agree with you, Mads, that there's a lot of the characterization which is just so over the top, and it is constantly forced down your throat. You know, with you know, in every scene I end, he's in, he's either touching up a young girl, or he's about to go and do it, or he's just mm. done it. Yeah, and there's a similar thing with Reyes later, which we'll come to. I think which they just keep going on and on and on about, uh, and I think it's just trying to reinforce that all the time. Yeah, I think the problem, but I think where where I where I differ from you is that. I, I don't think it's meant to be funny. I don't think it's meant as comedy. I don't. Mm. I think you'd be. I, th- I think you're meant to find it abhorrent. I think you're meant to be appalled by it, rather than laugh at it. I mean, so I, you know, I agree and I disagree. I think you're supposed to be appalled by it, but you're also supposed to laugh at it. Otherwise, it'll simply be uh, too much. I mean, and it's not well enough written to just be something that uh, that is something that tells me a story and and teaches me to to hate these guys it, it yeah. it's it's slapstick we'll, we'll get to that Reyes thing in a in a few minutes i guess it's slapstick a lot of this yeah. is slapstick and it's it's in the way it's acted it. as well see how yeah. how colonel Allende acts when he's with the girls for example it's made as comedy and it, you, of course you're supposed to to think he's horrible but you're also supposed to say ha that happened no, I, and especially I, we'll, I, we'll get to the language with the with the Reyes in a second. We will have to beep a lot if we want to quote just a little of what Reyes says. But, yeah, but uh, look, go go and watch Game of Thrones. You know, if you, I mean, if you watch Game of Thrones, like the language that in there, and yeah, that's won awards, dozens of them for mm. its writing. You know, and the character, the the language is more. Go and watch Deadwood. If you want to hear really, Dead was a good example because there's swearing, there's, um, you know, there's a magazine. Go. I think it's is it True West magazine. I think that is basically it focuses on all things related to the Wild West and the Old West, etc. And the there's there's a lot of articles written about the language and the content of Deadwood, which is not mm-hmm. a million miles removed from this game, and the the writer is it David Milk. David Milch. David Milch, yeah, wrote that book. Yeah, um, he is absolutely adamant that all for all the research that they did on that show, that in terms of the the language and the content and the treatment of people was a representative portrayal of the time. And I, I think that I, I I'm with you, Christopher, point in the sense that I think a lot of this probably is, um, they're really just. It, it it's a way of me of almost very unsubtly, admittedly, but it's it's a way of giving you a a snapshot of these characters. And it's a pastiche. Yeah, and I, I like at no point in this game has there's, there's been plenty of things that have made me laugh, but none of the acts that I think that are meant to that are meant to be serious have ultimately made me laugh. Definitely not. No. Um, 
But I think that's why they over and over egg it, isn't it? To if you just show that once, then it it it's dark, it's horrible. If you keep yeah. over overplaying it, then it kind of falls into you into the realms of of comedy. Whether it is funny yeah. or not is is subjective. But I th- yeah, I think, and I guess absolutely. I think I can definitely see Mads's point more on the um, and we'll come on to Reyes how that could mm. be. St- could be seen as a running joke, you know, and we will we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe some weirdos would find, you know, some of the things that they get up to funny, but I didn't, you know, and I, I I don't know what the objectives of the writers were, but I I to be honest, I don't think it's good enough. I, you know, and I I look, I really like this story. I really like the characters, but I don't think the quality of the writing is good enough to be subtly funny you know mm. i think this game doesn't do subtle it whacks you over the head yeah. with humor when but it wants you to laugh having teenagers in the house i can totally tell you who this who, who finds this funny mate you can't that's We're insulting back to, the 15 year to people boys. who like it mate you, you, <laughs> you're saying it's written for 15 year olds is i find it starting to find it a little insulting because sorry I'm, that's not how i, I mean i'm it. a reasonably intelligent 41 year old man and i like the writing uh, but and I, I, I think Andy's the same. I do. Absolutely, I think you're yeah. you're misinterpreting what I'm saying here. Then I, I, you don't laugh at this. You don't find this funny. I say no. the people that this is meant to that the people who are meant to find this funny are those 15 year old boys, and they do find this funny. Yeah, also, the I language when it comes to Reyes later on, and uh, yeah, lo- lots of the stuff around Reyes later on. Definitely, they do find. That look, funny. I, I I don't want to disparage the writers by you, you know saying that they. In- I don't know. I don't know what the intended. The writers weren't fifteen-year-old boys. You know, they're they're honest people nope, trying to nope. do a decent job. Uh, you know, and I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they weren't intending this to be anything other than pretty appalling. Uh, I I do have problems with the Mexican section, some of the narrative, Mads? So so good writing is is also writing for a target audience, mate. This is this this can be seen as good writing. Of course, it can. But it, it can't be a target. I mean, it, the game has an 18 certificate. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, does, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Didn't know. I, I mean, and if it didn't, I'd be absolutely shocked with mm. some of the content. I mean, it's an adult game with adult themes, you know, with adult language. and. Uh, yeah, to, yeah. To my mind, you know, you know it, mm. and it's quite, quite right, quite rightly so as well. But look, I don't know. I don't know what the writers were going for, you know, or... I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, I don't. I don't think it's. As I said, I don't think it's going to win any awards. I think it. It's. It's as blunt as a baseball bat, and I think it does get itself bogged down in this section with this American, with this Mexican Civil War. I think it goes on too long. I think. You, you know, you so how many times does he have to be told, do this one more thing, yeah. and we'll tell yep. you. Oh Jesus Christ! I mean. If I heard that one more time, but that's that's and been think, ongoing. Irish was the same, wasn't he? In in the first yeah. part, so, yeah. It, it is. It definitely started to great. And I think the problem with just and I'll shut up. I will shut up after this. But my, the problem with Marston's acting, it's not that it's flat. It's to my mind, he goes, he gets angry really quickly and then stays there. So, like, he gets really crossed the first time someone tells him, just do this one more thing, and then we'll tell you. And it's like, right, okay, you've got crossed now. Now, where do you go? And it's like every single mission, he gets to that same level of crossness. 
Mm. And then he just does the same thing again. And we're made to do yep. these terrible things like firebombing these poor people's houses. Mm. We have no control over mm. what we make him do. And it's like, I think it's like, how far does this man go to save his family? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like we're on that journey with him. You know, I feel like we've left him a little bit at this point. Yeah, but, but that's another stop. problem. Maybe that's because it's it's so long and there are so many steps in this. Uh, the whole sense of urgency is completely lacking. Or do you feel that? Because feel like this guy is yeah. supposedly... I mean, there must be a real sense of urgency. He, he wants to save his wife and kid who's uh, hold hostage by these government types. So he really I, wants to do this. And, and I, I don't feel that in the acting or in what I actually do in the game at all. I think there's definitely a sense of urgency in the sense that he wants to rescue them, but I think, if anything, they're in the best place possible by being with the government agency in the sense that they're they're safe, and you suspect at least... Are they, though? Because, I mean, what's alluded to in, in the end of, of this uh, chapter is, uh, well, seems a bit dark, at least. Yeah, I think this in terms of if it's between that or, you know, if you've got... If, if they weren't under their protection well we'll say protection at this point then their potential targets for either for Williamson or Esquela and you think that I guess that yeah, sure. John knows that the absolutely the only thing is that is going to get them back is to get these guys and I think it's not necessarily mm. that necessarily the lack of urgency on, on his part I think it obviously just he is being and so are we we're being frustrated at every single turn where each time you think we're going to make some progress but then I guess in his position until more often than not each time there is some progress made in his quest it's usually at the it's usually because an event has happened to the person who is preventing him from making progress there's not that many people that are giving up the information freely it's usually events transpire or conspire against them that allows him to get one step closer to finding Williamson or Esquela or back to his family, etc. So I, I don't know. It's hard to know, but you think in that situation, if we're using it as uh, what the game intends, whereby we're going to do anything to get back to our family, then I guess if somebody just says to you, well, you know, I'm, I know I said I would tell you, but I'm not going to. You need to go and do this now. Um, well, I guess what choice do you have, really? Hmm? Since when did the square become part of the bargain? Yeah, actually, that I, I didn't, I didn't figure out where he came from. All of a sudden, we no. need to to catch him as well. I did mean to go back and look at that opening cutscene to see whether yeah. the square was a thing right from the start, but yeah, we've only yeah. been talking about Williamson, but yeah, all yeah. of a sudden we need to uh, catch we him, need to catch and him give him, him well. to the the government guys as well. It's like yeah. proper mission creep going on here. <laughs> moving them goalposts. I, well, I think it, he was part of the Dutch Vandalin gang, wasn't he? So I guess maybe when, by virtue of the fact that he wasn't in Mexico initially, but now that he's gone down to Mexico, they've said, well, basically, while you're there, you might as well round him up as well. because They, they sent him a quick text message. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Grab us some well, churros as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But as well as telegraphs now, it's fine. They could send him a telegraph. But you guess maybe when they find out that Esquela was down there and in cahoots with Williamson and obviously there was still um, maybe that just uh, that got added onto his to-do list along with everybody else's I don't know that, that mission with the train I think the first one when we have to go and uh, steal the train I think don't we yeah Th that 
that's the hardest mission for me so far in the game. I failed that one loads of times because you have to run, go from side to side of the train. Yes, yeah. And I found that they just kept going out of my field of view mm. down the front part of the train. And the, yeah, I reckon I failed that one a good six or seven times, which is. And then eventually they do the start go, getting. Or... They do get on the train, don't they, and start coming down the train towards. Yeah, them. that's yeah, that's going yeah. on because you've got them either side and they're but, doing but, damage to the train engine, but then you've got the people that are doing damage to you. And yeah, constantly yes. swinging back yeah. and forth between them. Yeah, but it's the one with the Gatling on, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. So you're not supposed to be running left and right. You just need to no. hold the Gatling gun. It, I, I did that in the first go. No, I think it's the. It, no, it's it's not the one where you have that silly little stealth section at the start of the mission. No, that's, that's later the, on. That's yeah. the one with the Gatling mm-hmm. gun. This is the one where you're on your horse. And you've got to. Ah yes. Ah yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. No, no, you're quite right. Yeah, yeah. No, well, well, mm-hmm. Chris. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep. And so, yep. it, and the, and they're coming on both sides, and the only way to get round the train is to kind of go to the back of it and yep. go round the other side. Yeah, yeah, I know where you are now. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So I'm always right well. in front of it and, and change sides there instead. Well, that, can you that go helps. fast enough to get in front? Of yeah. The train? yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, I wasn't doing that. According mm. to the trivia on the wiki, you can actually, if you're quick enough, get onto the train at the start of that mission. And then obviously it's much easier then because you ah, can see okay. ah. Yeah, that would okay, be, yeah. Cool. There we are. Hmm. Um, yeah, can so I just, there, we also... Yeah, go for can it. Can I just ask, did the... Was the, the double cross in uh, Coward's Die many times? Anyone surprised by that? Was it played for a surprise? I don't know. <laughs> you, you were expecting it, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... I, I, yeah, in fairness, I, I, I've played yeah. this game before and I didn't remember this part. So it's, uh, I mean, in fairness, I can't remember yesterday, let alone 13 years ago. But nonetheless, it, it was, <laughs> there's quite a few of these events that uh, I either don't remember or they weren't necessarily telegraphed. You knew it was coming somewhere. Yeah, down, yeah. You suspected it was coming somewhere down the line. Yeah. But I did think, I thought, great, we're finally going to get hands on Williamson here. No such luck. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, yeah. I did remember. I I remembered there was. I definitely remember that he turns. I just couldn't quite remember the bit. It was. I wasn't. Yeah. It was kind of surprised and not surprised when it happened. Yeah. 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 Um, well, leads us on to Luisa Fortuna. Not a huge amount to say about her. This is either from the wiki or from the guide as well. She's not the most fleshed out of characters, but according to this, she's a 19-year-old with brains and guts, so that's reassuring to hear. She's very aware of the <laughs> crumbling political situation in Mexico and is eager to save her family. She's training to be a teacher, although she expects little out of life. There's <laughs> a nice optimistic resume for a 19-year-old. Four missions played through Luisa. We are Those are My Sister's Keeper, Master Saviour Die, Father Abraham, and Captain De Santa's Downfall. My sister's keeper, we meet Luisa at a small hut near Campo Morada with her family packing up for the hills. She strongly believes in the revolution and its leader, Abraham Reyes, but fears for her sister, Miranda. She needs John to escort her to a boat waiting to take her to the Yucatan. That's her sister, that is. Um, and one of the few timed missions in the game as well, actually. Master Saviour Die... Martin finds a distraught Luisa at the news that Abraham Reyes, leader of the Mexican Revolution, and her lover have been captured. We accompany Luisa to El Presidio and scramble over a wall before taking up a position with a sniper rifle and wiping out any resistance. 
We then rescue Reyes on our horse and ride out with a guide who leads us to the waiting Luisa. Father Abraham Marson is surprised by two rebels who disarm him whilst out riding and take him to the waiting Luisa. We discover her father has been executed by the government and she wants both revenge and freedom for her people. We ride out to the Frontera Bridge and place a number of charges in the road before ambushing the army convoy and finishing off any stragglers. And then finally, Captain DeSanta's downfall. Luisa has received word that DeSanta is overseeing a massacre in El Sepulcro, the cemetery near Las Hermanas. We ride out and kill all the soldiers, leaving just DeSanta himself, whom we hogtie and bring back to the cemetery. John beats the whereabouts of Escuela out of him before we're left with the choice of his fate. We then ride to Casa Madrigada, where we're met with stiff resistance from government troops, but it appears Escuela has been gone for some time. Four fairly short missions, but I felt they were quite kind of action-packed and quite a lot happened in these. It certainly, given all the time that we spent in the DeSanta, um, it kind of this one served quite nicely to bring it all to, or some parts of it at least, to a conclusion. I quite enjoyed some of these missions. Yeah, I got I got a little bit frustrated of sitting on that that horse and cart though at the start of felt like at the start of every mission. Yeah, so yes. I, I, I was skipping them. Yes, did you? Yeah, because uh, do you miss out on any dialogue by skipping? You do things? miss out on dialogue. You do, yeah. you do. So I didn't skip any of them actually because no. they. You have to wait for like 30 seconds and all of a sudden they start talking yeah, for minutes on the yeah, way Yeah, because yeah. I wondered, each time you skipped it, there were times where it would kind of bring you forward to the next key event. But there was one where I sat probably, I would always, when you got onto it, I would always pause it and look at the map to see where I was going to. And there was a yeah. couple times I was like, Christ, I'm going to the other side of the map here. Yeah. And so there was one where we sat in a very awkward silence for about five minutes with just the scenery trundling by and nobody was saying anything. And I thought... I don't have time for this. And so yeah. I, I skipped a couple of them, but usually I, I think on the ones where they had something to say, they did start speaking fairly quickly, but I don't know if they subsequently yeah. then went quiet for five minutes and then started speaking further down the road again. No. I'm not too sure. No, that doesn't happen. But sometimes okay, it fine. does take like, I, I feel like 30 seconds before they actually start speaking. Yes. But so it always makes sure. I mean, yeah. the game is actually quite good at uh, saying, I mean, the, one of them will say, ah, I'm going to just get some shut eye or I, I need to just relax. Let's focus on what we need to do now. So they, they kind of like close yeah, the conversation you, yeah. down. So you know when you can skip. Yeah. yeah. But I, I use those, uh, those long uh, silences to, uh, to, to go out and get, get myself a cup of coffee. I could hear yeah. if, if somebody <laughs> would be talking on the TV, I'd be running back. Are they saying something? So uh, <laughs> that's how I spent that time. I wish it gave you control over the camera during those because mm. it'd be cool to kind of pan the camera around, yeah, that's true. you know, while yeah. you're... Yeah. I yeah, guess this... a good... In terms of these cutscenes, though, how good it looks, particularly on the 4K upscaling. Mm. There's one, isn't there, yeah, where I think... Good. Is it um, DeSanta? You're riding alongside DeSanta and he has you, like, shooting animals or something. Yes, you've got to I think see how many... But you get five you bullets and you've got to see how many yeah. you can kill with yeah. five shots. Mm. Mm. When does what mission's that? That is on one it's, of the rideouts. It's right at the end, actually, the final yeah, one. One of the last um, minutes. One of the last couple of missions where you're riding next to DeSanta and he basically gives you a challenge to see who is a better shot, you or his troops, and you fly past these flocks of vultures that all fly off the ground and you can just dead eye five of them. Oh, you're basically you're told to see who that. can hit 
um, f- the most birds with five shots, and then you win cash each mm. time. It's does good. he know I'm a level? Does he know I'm a level six sharpshooter? Clearly not. That's the problem. <laughs> I've, been, Probably not. I've, been, I've been shooting heads off people. I've yeah. been shooting hat, not heads. Hats off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I'm a sucker for these kind of travel mechanisms and games that actually show you how far you're traveling and and I know I shouldn't be spending my time game time that way but I like that I mean I like from back in the days of World of Warcraft that you had to actually walk if you didn't have a mount and then you could go in and find a griffin fly and you had to sit on that and see it fly over the mountains or whatever wherever you're going I I like the sense of space that that gives you sense of size and I think in this game particularly it is without a doubt one of the main appeals are one of the main attractions that keeps me coming back to this game and what yeah. where I get most of my enjoyment from this game is just being in this environment and I love just sitting on these wagons watching it all ride by I love being on the horse yeah. and watching it all ride by and like I was saying these last couple of evenings where I've had nothing to achieve but I've just gone into the world and just rode around on my horse and it definitely like in terms of we've said it before with regards to other things and we're seeing it particularly with the likes of lockdown as well is that how much of an escape games in general were for mm. us and from a mindfulness perspective it's one of the few things that i do where i just when i'm playing games and not just red dead but games in general where i play them where i, I don't think about anything else yeah. it's one of the few things that can yeah. actually hold my attention and there's something about this world and we mentioned on the last podcast you know the changing weather systems actually on the, have you guys noticed is the weather better in mexico compared to what you've seen up in yeah it seems to be yeah, yeah, definitely. I have seen. Okay. I've only seen a little bit of. I, I, it was only because after being in Mexico for a long time, I finally got some rain and then a thunderstorm. And I thought I yeah, haven't seen this storm. for the long. I haven't seen this for the longest time, yeah. and I no. wonder if that's deliberate. I wonder if that, that is actually programmed in. Well, that's definitely been... what this game does best, isn't it? I mean, the sense of yeah. space. I mean, yes, the sense yeah. of actually being there and, yeah, and riding from from freedom. A to B. Yeah. Mm. Have you guys had any reason to hop back to America because of the bridges are now open, or at least one of them is? I went back and did a couple of stranger yeah. missions that I'd missed. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. wrapped everything up, and do you know what? It's just strange. Like what we're talking about, and I know we talk about this a lot, Mads, with regards to role playing, is that I was thinking to myself, my time in Mexico isn't finished. I I will save that as a that's my reward for when my job here is done. Is that I want that satisfaction of riding back across. And I think it was actually it was Chris, nineteen eighty three, that had said, and he'd actually given us some long thoughts on his playthrough of this session. And he was saying exactly that was at the end of it. It was almost like a little treat to himself where he went back across, rode up to the McFarlane's ranch and basically went to bed and saved his game there. And that's kind of what <laughs> I, that's how I felt. I thought if I go back to the States, I've got, I've got unfinished business. I need to come, you know, I'll, I'll do that at the end. I've been hopping back and forth, doing bits and pieces on the ambient challenges. Okay. I tell you, it's a long old way from, is it Escadero where, um, the Santa is where they kind of army yeah Escalera right over, over the far west yeah at a hell of a long way from there to uh, Thieves Landing it's a good 20 minute 20 minute horse ride that perfect west coast to east coast so yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's a it. long old way kind of you got like yep. south west to northeast. yeah mm. yeah I was uh, spent a long time trying to find blooming uh, hogs but, uh, wild oh, they're they're a pain in the backside. They're they're a really hard one. To, up the back of McFarlane's ranch is the best place yeah, for them. Yeah, took me. Yeah, it takes ages for them to spawn up there. Yeah, so yeah. I've been, uh, and then a... and then you normally get about six of them, and they kill you really quickly. So you've got to be you've got to be on it. Yeah, 
there's a couple of the ambient challenges that ended up sucking up a lot of my time that we can maybe cover in more detail later but it was yeah, uh, yeah. but I, I guess I think that was a nice thing about this is that I was definitely a wee bit disappointed when you first came to Mexico and you were basically gated from going back into the United States but I think now that you can crisscross quite freely I think it's quite a nice um, especially I think if you'd if you, if you had stuff to finish off it's great that you got the you got access to that prior to well we got it if you did the land in Ricketts thread first yeah. you get access to you get access back almost right away which is is which that is when oh, is okay. that okay so that's the trigger is it for the access opening up it is, is the, yeah that, that ricketts mission yeah. yeah so if you did that first you literally just need to do those four missions and you can get back and into the u.s yeah. yeah 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 i didn't try before then no no i didn't no um anything else with regards to Lisa? oh well i guess the, the main one i guess really was the the santa's downfall there where the no, that's later on. I tell a lie. The only thing... But if you... Go on, Chris. Sorry, go on, go on, Jim. The only thing I was going to point out is, again, a little bit of disconnect in the narrative where you'd be... Um, you'd have these army patrols on the road that you were ambushing um, and you've got these army patrols that are after you and then as soon as you're out of the mission, everything's right. They are, you know, there's, there's nothing outside of the mission to sort of carry that, that on. It's all sort yeah. of very... Um, just... just it's in the mission and, and that's it. Mm. One key moment, I guess it was, we may have differed in our choices was what we did with the Santa at the end of the Luisa arc. Oh, I handed him over alive. Did you? Yeah. Ah, good man. That's very valiant of you. What did you Is get as a consequence? Where you had the choice to shoot him. So you're hogtied. Yeah. This was after the, yeah. when you catch up them in the cemetery at El Sepulcro, you chase after him, hogtie him. It tells you to bring him back to the rebels, and then you've got the option. It says you can either walk away or you can basically deal with him yourself. Oh, I shot him. Yeah, yeah. I thought no, master needs to do this. Yeah, no. I I enjoyed every uh, last second of, of pulling. Oh no, sorry. That trigger on. Yeah, no, I did. I did shoot him. <laughs> yeah, no, I did shoot him. No, I, he, no, I did shoot him because uh, you get congratulated, don't you, as well? You do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's good. It's actually referenced later on as well. But mm. um, I, I, I stood over him and purposely selected my shotgun from the weapon wheel. To <laughs> 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 uh, great satisfaction awesome. in dropping it, dropping it to dead eye and putting an X on his face and watching the uh, <laughs> watching the outcome. That was that was the best that man deserved. <laughs> Sticking a fire bottle in his mouth and shooting oh, it with the shotgun. Yeah. There we go. I didn't think of that Sick one. Man. Yeah. Almost yes. as good as Jim hog tying innocent people and leaving them on train tracks, right? And <laughs> yes, not popping yes. his achievement. Yeah. It was for an yes. achievement. <laughs> Anything you want to get off your chest, Jim, about what you've done to some yeah. innocent Spiller market Jean. keeper? Jim, come on. Are, we, are we going into it here? Are we? <laughs> so, well, you, well, I suppose like it's it. well. It's kind of not my fault, really, Andy. It's kind of your fault. <laughs> you um, you sowed the seed of an achievement if you hogtie someone and leave them on the train tracks. So um, I'm 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 at the stage. I've gone past the staging point. I thought, oh, I'll have a go at that. Riding along, trying to find someone who was up to mischief to hog time and put them on a train track. Couldn't find anyone. There's just a, a random guy at the market. So like, you're trying to earn a living. I'll tie them and put them on the train track. And there I am looking in the map, the train's on its way. And you can hear it sort of 
It's coming in. It's coming in. <laughs> Thinking, oh no, what have I done here? They're, they're still squirming on the train track. Anyway, yeah. it, it hits them. I'm like, oh, oh dear. I'm waiting for the achievement to pop. That never pops. So, so I was like, well, I'll go and have a look, see if they're still alive. Maybe they're still alive. I get around to the what's left of the, the it's basically a torso, missing legs. Loot, looted it. Still nothing. Still, still no achievement. So yeah, all that, all that for nothing. Yeah, it's a proud moment. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's definitely a low point on your play so far, Jim. Well, it got well, well. I would say it is, but then there was another <laughs> well, strange. There was another stranger mission that I was doing where you meet uh, someone called Eva. Um, yeah, and Eva she's and Pearl, yeah. That's it. She's yeah. getting beaten up by uh, by her pimp Mario. So Mario basically, John comes along and interrupts him and says, stop what you're doing. Mario says, all right, you can have her. She's yours for $200. I'm not paying you $200. So I went to shoot him using the the auto snap. I'd auto snapped over either, point blank. So I took her around, point blank. Um, I'd obviously finished Mario off as well afterwards, but yeah. Well, you would have to, yeah, exactly yeah. that. You still, you did the honourable thing. He was dead. The fact that she was dead is kind of by the by, but he was dead. That was mission yeah. accomplished. Yeah, yeah. So I think those missions respawn if you fail them like that. I think if you wait long enough in game, it will it will come back again. Yeah. It's quite an interesting little side mission, that one. I liked that one. That was good. I'll yeah, have to wait for it to... Uh, he ends, he, cut. He, oh, spoilers, sorry. Oh, does she? No. Yeah, maybe. He kills, he kills her in the end. Oh. Yeah. I find the, the side stories, they're definitely quite grounded. And I guess I was referencing them earlier, saying you kind of... They're almost like these little penny novels of these little self-contained stories. And they're always... And I think it was something about that time as well. There's something... There's always They've always got a slight melancholic element to them. There's very few that... I've got a happy ending. Mm. It almost always ends up with some sort of tragic turn of events or... I've really enjoyed doing the stranger missions. At times I've been frustrated by by the main storyline for the reasons that we've already covered where it's sort of like do this one last thing and then I'll I'll give you what you want that has frustrated me a little bit because it's just they keep going back to it whereas in some of these stranger missions you go off and like you'll clear um, an enemy camp and then you might bump it. I bumped into someone that was treasure hunting in a mine. So then we went down a mine together. And things yeah. general, things seem to come out of that. And it feels a lot, just feels a bit more exciting. Something's, something un, unexpected could yeah. happen. Change your pace. Well, I think that's exactly it. It adds this, this sense of anything could happen. And mm. you never know who you come across, where that might lead to, and yeah, yeah. what you'll discover as a consequence. And really sort of helps to flesh out the world and I don't think all of the characters themselves are I'm trying to think of each of them they're, they're generally sort of pretty middle of the road characters there's nothing kind of we talked maybe about the main characters so one of the, the downsides to a lot of them is just the sort of the well putting it politely sort of all the eccentric qualities of them but most of these side missions tend to be either if they are eccentric they're probably a realistic type of eccentricity that was around at that time. You know, you've got the guy who's trying to start a film studio. You've got the guy who's out wanting to be, um, he's wanting to document all these stories out in the Wild West. So you've got the railroad worker that becomes addicted to opium and all this sort of stuff. There's, yes. Did, so did you keep Did you the, keep the money? So I kept, I think it gives no, you a, I, Did you give uh, it? Oh, I kept that. I gave it thousand dollars. I, I was keeping I that. I said I wanted no part of it and gave it back. And you get a massive boost. You get, I think, plus 500 honour for doing that. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, there's no honour in my job. The guy who's 
uh, collecting flowers for his dead wife, of course. Which, yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. I, I forgot. I forgot to mention that. Dead nightmare. I think that one. He does. Yeah, I meant to mention that because it's. I only got this from the guidebook, but I ended up going back in and doing it. Did you see what happened if you ran into the shelf that was behind her while she was sat in a rocking chair? The, no. sh- the shelves collapse and knock the head off her shoulders. And then he just basically stands there with his face aghast looking like um, Edvar Monk's The Scream <laughs> where he's it's got his wife in a rocking chair with no head on her shoulders anymore. I take it, I take it all back, Mads. It's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> that one it was meant to be. That would have been, Like I say, some of them are really quite tragic stories. Um... Yeah, there's some some quite sort of. Uh, I I think probably the game's most poignant moments come in the Stranger missions. There's a few that are definitely, you know, like I say, quite quite melancholic and depressing. Just before we canter on from Louisa, I mean, for, like for me, just what very quick line. She's um, there are very few heroes in this game, and I think for me, she's one of them. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah agreed. Yep. You really feel for it, don't you? Just Reyes just doesn't give a shit, does he? Well, there's very few endearing characters in the game other than Marston. Mm. Like you can probably count them on the fingers of one hand, and she's I, I you know, she's one that you just I warm to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Straight away. She's a yeah, and she's although, you know, although I don't know whether she's a struck, but it's nice to see she doesn't feel like a damsel in distress. She feels quite independent and strong and you know, there's and there's yeah, yeah. there's not many women in the game like that. There's not, but I was really quite interested. We were chatting about this beforehand, and I was just trying to read a wee bit about the Mexican Revolution earlier, just to get a flavour of maybe how realistic or otherwise this is. And mm-hmm. it references there was a lot of reference to all the the soldadas or the sort of the female soldiers that served or didn't serve or supported yeah. during the Mexican Revolution, of obviously which she's, I think, meant to be one. And, yeah, it, it's definitely kind of... Um, she's definitely... Uh, yeah, I, I think exactly that. A, a, a very... Particularly given that she is 19 years old, a very um, mature and, you know, you see, quite sort of principled and uh, ultimately a, a, a good character. And I don't think it's in any way... We'll get on to it because we're about to talk about Abraham Reyes here anyway, but there'll be maybe how the actual relationship between them is depicted is one thing, but I don't think in any way it's unrealistic to have a 19 year old infatuated with this older man who's got this position of power. I mean, we see that in everyday life, don't we? Um, Mm -hmm. And it works both ways. That's not necessarily just a man to a woman equally um, uh, or a woman to a man rather just as equally. It could be the other way around, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, I I think it was, uh, yeah. And a very sort of, Again, a fairly a fairly tragic story arc in the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Abraham Reyes, the last of our mission givers in this place. So um, he was born to a very rich family with a wealthy upbringing. According to him, his nursemaid used to tell him when he was little that Abraham, one day everybody will know your name. He was the son of a Mexican nobleman and attended schools in both Mexico and Europe and was expelled from a Swiss school due to an affair with a maid. A sign of things to come in later life, I think. He eventually became a revolutionary guerrilla leader at some point prior to 1911 and residing in Nueva Paraiso. Reyes has goals of achieving social reform through a violent revolution against the Mexican army and their leader in the region, General Ignacio Sanchez. His charisma has allowed Reyes to be an excellent recruiter for his band of guerrillas. Just three missions through Abraham Reyes, and they kind of form the climax of of this story arc. There's the 
Great Mexican Train Robbery, The Gates of El Presidio and An Appointed Time. The Great Mexican Train Robbery, we ride to Agave Viejo, the Rebels' headquarters, where Reyes asks us to assist with robbing a train to aid their cause. We use throwing knives to sneak aboard before detaching the army train car, taking control of the engine and stealing the train. Once safe, we blow open the hatch and there's a safe inside that we can crack open. The gates of El Presidio, John stumbles in on Reyes, um, up to no good as we arrive at El Presidio and we then have to drive a TNT-filled coach into the fort's gates before searching for Escuela. Once cornered, there's the option to either hogtie or kill him before returning him to the fort, at which point reinforcements arrive and must be fought off using the fort's cannons. We hand Escuela over to two waiting agents who inform John they need not only they only still need Bill Williamson, but that his gang's old boss, Dutch Vanderlind, is believed to now be back in the Blackwater area, somewhat ominously. And then finally, an appointed time, uh, we return to a burning escalera, now in the middle of a revolution. Marston walks calmly through the chaos around him with Abraham Reyes, now the prisoner of Mexican army captain Raul Zubayetza. Luisa bravely makes an attempt to rescue Abraham, but is gunned down in front of everyone, leading to a duel with Marston. We then free Reyes and the prisoners before making our way up through the barricades and blowing open the gates at Allende's villa. We fight our way in and then mount a defence, leading to a cutscene showing Allende and Williamson escaping to a coach out back. We fight our way out, mount our horses in order to give chase and disable the stagecoach. Allende makes one final pitiful attempt to save his own life by offering up Williamson, but mo- both of them are met with an unavoidable death. And this triggers a final scene with a jubilant Reyes setting his sights on the Mexican capital and bringing to an end our time in Mexico. Can I just, before we go into these missions, Mm. did we talk about the mission where we actually save Reyes? Maybe I was just sleeping. But we we save him, actually, (laughs) because he's been (laughs) captured somewhere. (laughs) So... We need to save him before he can actually uh, we can do all these missions with him. That was one of the Luisa missions, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think it, yes, it was. Of course, it was. Yes. Yeah. So I that was remember. must a savior die. Ah, yes. Okay. That's the okay. first Luisa mission, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Could be. I know you're paying mm. attention, Mads. Don't worry. I did just mention that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I he's been. Remember much? I don't remember much about that though. Was. I remember I really had high hopes because I was just left outside a fort and said, ah, you need to figure a way to, to get in. And I think I sent you guys some pictures. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's only one way in, isn't the hill there? And there's this huge yellow cross that's, yeah. oh, okay, I, I guess that's the way in. So yeah. I walk over there <laughs> yeah. and automatically you're teleported in. And then it says, find a good way to to snipe or whatever to, to oh, shoot yeah. the, the guards. Yeah. And I thought, okay. Here's the stealth part, but then again, you, you look around. Ah, there's a huge yellow cross over there. I think I'll go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was really hoping for a bit of stealth gameplay here. But, yeah, but, uh, we do come. we do get a little bit, don't we, when we steal the train? Oh, it's terrible. Yes, but the, yeah, uh, which is which is probably why that. probably why they put the big yellow crosses here because they realised that the uh, the stealth <laughs> with the game's <laughs> mechanics probably it doesn't it. I, I'm a big fan of this game. I love it. Mm. I actually really enjoy the combat. Um, but what I will say is it does not lend itself in any way, shape or form to stealth. Play, <laughs> that's for sure. Mm. <laughs> I think that's something that we can all agree on. <laughs> you can you can kick those soldiers on that train in the bulls and they still wouldn't notice you. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> 
The sniper rifle's really funny though, like in a game like this, because there are the only other time I used a sniper rifle apart from when you had to was to shoot the hats off the um heads for that um sharpshooter challenge. Oh yeah. Which I found it very useful for that because you could There's do it. There's a later mission where you're you're like going up this canyon and shooting uh, a lot of I forget if it's rebels or military guys at a, at a distance, and I used it there. Okay, I remember. Yeah, I think that's that's on. The, is that the way up, on the way up to um, just right at the end, or the way up to Allende's fort, where you've got to fight your way through the barricades, and then there's a Gatling gun at the top that you fire back yes, down exactly. against the troops. Yeah, I, I'd continuously shoot the guy who would run uh, behind the, the Gatling oh, gun. Oh yeah, yeah. So, something that is very useful for is if you are doing bounty hunting is when you get just within the the outskirts of a bounty is that you can just pick all of them off and then just leave the one person so there's never even any resistance. There's just mm. the, the mm. target to go and capture. Yeah. But don't they run into okay. cover, though, as soon as you kill the first one? Don't the others run? No, rather stupidly, they start running towards... Or sometimes they start running towards well, you. That doesn't surprise me at all, actually. And so <laughs> it, it's great. You can basically you stand there half a mile away from them as they're running towards Kicking you with a pistol. And you just <laughs> drop in and out of uh, in and out of dead eye and just take them out one by one. And there, there is... I sound slightly psychopathic saying this, but... I, I didn't. I didn't put this into the game. Is that uh, there is something very satisfying about dropping into dead eye and putting the crosshairs right on their forehead and pulling the trigger. It's um, it, it, get, it gets a little bit messy. I, I didn't know you could use dead eye with the sniper rifle. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I thought dead eye was. I have only been using it with the pistols actually. Okay. Hmm. Oh no. It's. I mean. So you can use it like like of the. Henry repeater, so you can use twelve shots, the twelve okay. shot repeater yeah. rifle, so you can you can shoot somebody twelve ah, times. I, if the, if it, I thought you were supposed to use the the guns when you were using dead eye. Okay. Yeah. So put drop in, get the Henry repeater, drop into dead eye, and put twelve crosses on somebody's face and watch what happens. What's your thanks? While we're talking, it's your homework. What, what's your favourite guns, then, guys? What 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 what's yours, Mads? I don't know, mate. Um, the one that shoots people. I don't really. I mean, it, the the gunplay here, um, it's it's not really that challenging. So I'm not no. switching weapons a lot. I, I think I'm using the one the Winchester, or there. I, I think I have a rifle that's just a notch better than the Winchester. I use those two most of the time. Have you bought any and, new ones? Yes, yes. I, I try to buy whatever I I, uh, I can to see what's there. I've used a shotgun a few times when I was really in close quarters as well. Mm. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. that sometimes you actually get a little bit of a, almost like a quick time scene where if you use weapons up close, you almost get, yes. it's almost like a little death, yeah. se- like a little kill sequence rather than just yeah. the mm. person. It's like an yeah. animation, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It kind of like... Kind of holds them, doesn't he? And yeah, and sort of shoots them up through the... Or like almost yeah. through the chin <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I, I had that when... Um, yeah, that's what I had when I sh- accidentally shot either in front of Mario. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jim? So What's more your homework for me? I've I've generally just been using um a rifle. I couldn't tell you which one. Um and, and a sniper rifle and swapping between the two to be honest. I've not really I haven't used the pistols. Um when I've been going into a building then I've been using I think it was a sawn off. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Andy, same. Yeah, I, I'd say probably my most used weapon will be the 
Henry repeater, I think, because you can take mm. people out from quite a distance with that. You feel like you should be using a pistol as a cowboy, and I think I bought a Lamat revolver now, which is pretty potent, but the majority of the time I've just because either when it's on horseback, but largely because you get the 12 shots in it as well, yeah, is I, yeah, yeah. I tend to stick oh, with the Henry okay. repeater, but then I will, uh, especially if, so if you're going into dead eye, it's great. Uh, anytime, if you're doing like bounty hunting, or even if you're just trying to take out a whole of the targets, you know, you can, you can mark 12 of them and then just drop them all in one go, which is quite satisfying when it happens. But I do yes. like, my favourite weapon is, but I, I, I like the shotguns. I've got like a semi-automatic shotgun now. Yeah. And yeah, you can yeah. do quite a lot of damage with mm. that. And then I suppose if you're topping up your dead eye with, is it like snake oil or something like that? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Your one man killing machine. Yeah. 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 I still, I, I, I'm, yeah, I I haven't really changed my mind on the combat. I think I I do find it quite satisfying, you know, when you do paint, you know, when, when you go into dead eye and you've, you've got like six or so shots and you nail, no, like, it feels like you're in a cowboy film when you walk into a room with your pistol and you... you Especially if you walk, because the, t- the temptation is always to run in these games, but if you actually just walk around, if you know you're about to get a confrontation and you just you just slowly swagger on in. in there, oh, you, you, feel, yeah. you, you feel like a proper badass. I and, love yeah, it. And yeah. the animation, the way he reloads it, you know, yeah. it's proper Clint Eastwood stuff. Like, I, I do find... I, I, yeah, I don't find it challenging, and I don't particularly find it enjoyable. But there are moments when I think, "Bloody hell, that was that looked really cool," and it's quite satisfying in those little moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. No, I completely agree with there's, that. There was there's not, oh, there's not enough challenges there really. No, no, there's not. No. But there was there was a bit where I was going through the mines after some after some treasure, and there's all the dynamite stacked around, and you have got the yeah. enemies. You're just walking around a co- around a corner, and you it's see the enemies. You blow the yeah. you blow it up. And you sort of walking through these explosions and shooting yeah, enemies as Wick. you go. You, yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. You do have you film. got the dynamite and the fire bottles in your inventory now? Uh, I've gotten. But I've not had to use the dynamite, but I've used the fire bottles. Yeah, yeah, they're both quite they're quite good fun as well. You've got somebody hiding behind a crate or something, you can just lob it over the top of them and then they come running out on fire, screaming or mm. cartwheeling out with a stick of TNT. Um just to cover off on the final three missions there with Abraham Reyes, um with regards to I think I know it was something that somebody asked in the Discord chat with whether it's possible or not not to kill Williamson. You you have to basically if yeah. you don't if you yeah. don't kill him, Reyes just start shooting the both of them. So I think Reyes will always kill Ayendi, and then you'll need to kill um, Williamson. But if you do nothing, no. he'll he'll kill both of them. But I was yeah well, exactly exactly. I, I didn't kill Williamson. I just wanted to bring him in alive, like I did with Javier. Yeah, uh, that was a, that was a I strange couldn't. thing. I thought you would think of ending the other. It would be the other way around. You would think that you would probably have the option to, or just Esquela would the, get killed regardless, and then there's the option to take in Williamson dead or alive. There's a, na- there's a very important narrative reason why you Bill Williamson has to die, though, isn't it? Okay. Can you remember, Andy? Uh, no spoilers. No. So this is just saying, yeah, for for the sake for the for the story that occurs, okay. Williamson okay. has to die. All right. Nice. Oh well, yeah. that's good then. That's and cool. that's fine. That's fine. Good. Oh, that's. Uh, I killed the squire. I killed the squire though as well. I'm not. Sure. I can't. I don't think I meant to. I think he just ended up. Oh, oh whoops. <laughs> I guess. Um, so is I, the story is the story going to sort of get a bit more? 
interesting. How can you say, mate, whether, you, whether or not you enjoy the story is a completely subjective thing, which is down to you. No, it, yeah, yeah. You, it may do. Look, I, I'm not going to say anything about what happens because I remember it very clearly. Yeah. It may, you, may, you may find it more interesting, you may not. Yeah. In the words of in the words of Reese King Kong Groover, you may just find it all right. All right, yeah. <laughs> yes, yep. <laughs> the um, well, as it as a, as a very good reminder. So while whilst we're on that subject, um, we'll drop over because we've got a couple of listener clips here. Uh, both Reese King Kong Groover and uh, Steve Mitsuyama have both sent us in some listener clips, and uh, you can you'll be able to hear it in uh, in the in their own words. So here they are giving us their thoughts on the second part of the game. Hi everyone, it's Stephen aka Mitsuyama on Discord with some comments on the second part of Red Dead Redemption. Well, I didn't exactly give the game a glowing review in the first episode and I'm afraid things haven't improved much when playing part 2. The plot twist I was hoping for hasn't materialised so the story has continued to plod along. The formula seems to be that you meet a couple of characters who promise to help you with your goals but not before you complete several jobs for them first. It's all getting a little tiresome to be honest. I won't go into the plot here, as I expect it will be covered in more detail during the podcast, but I do want to mention a couple of missions, specifically the one where you blow up a convoy of soldiers using dynamite, and the final mission of the section when you finally catch up with Bill Williamson. I thought that these two missions could have led to some spectacular set pieces, but I was left feeling underwhelmed after completing them, a couple of missed opportunities in my opinion. The one bright spark in this second part was meeting Landon Ricketts. I thought that he was a great character and it was a shame that we didn't get to spend more time with him. Landon illustrates what's potentially in store for John if he doesn't get to achieve his dream of settling down on his farm with his family. The game continues to be a glitchy mess, and it's another issue that takes the shine off what could be a great game. Having said all that, I do enjoy spending time in the game world. The game stats tell me that I've played for nearly 44 hours so far, and a lot of that time would have been spent just wandering around doing side quests and random encounters, or just enjoying the scenery. The game looks great when upscaled to 4K on the Series X and there are moments where you just have to stop and admire the view. This may sound strange, but I wonder if the game looking so good is possibly acting against it. Am I being lulled into thinking this is a modern game? If so, am I judging it by modern standards? So when I do encounter issues I described earlier, do they grade just a little bit harder? There seems to be a split on Discord where people who are new to the game aren't liking it as much as those who have played it before, and I wonder if this could be a reason for that split. Anyway, I'm going to continue to play the game to the end, but I don't hold out much hope of it getting any better. Hey everybody, this is Reese AK King Kong Groover, here to give thoughts on the Mexican chapter of Red Dead Redemption. Um, I must admit... This is really not my sort of game. I'm not really a big open world gamer, um, but I decided to give it a try because it's considered to be um, one of the standout titles. It's Grand Theft Auto on horseback. I've never played the the Grand Theft Auto games, really. Um, And I'll be honest, it's a bit of a slog. (laughs) Um, In this one, we... Travel around Mexico, uh, starting work with, I believe it was Landon Ricketts who kind of told you how to do the duel and various other things. Uh, Landon's probably the best character um, in the Mexico part. Oh, and Louise here as well, but she was a bit naive. Um, yeah, 
the uh the, the the story basically you begin with Landon and then you kind of connect with the Mexican um government who are trying to defeat rebels then you connect with Luisa who was one of the rebels and then you kind of rescue Reyes who uh helps you when the government double crosses you and yeah that's basically the story um I think out of everybody, I think I prefer Reyes and Louisa um, to and the rebels as a whole, as opposed to uh, the government, because they're really, really nasty, horrible people. Um, and I didn't particularly like working with them, uh, with DeSanta and his group, uh, which I suppose is what you know. The good thing is when they double cross you, um, yeah. But. Uh, it's a bit of a slog. Uh, the story hasn't really grabbed me yet. Um, but, you know, I'm about halfway through, and I think I'm over halfway through. It's uh, it's all right. Um, it's probably not my sort of game. Uh, I think the Germans uh, got an offensive caricature uh, this time around, as well as uh, probably the Mexicans as well, who are all just like philandering individuals and it's just it's just ridiculous anyway um we continue um i think i thought the little nod to the government that was like the first time where i went ah uh when i say government i mean the u.s government rather than bill williamson keeping um who is now dead um that is very rambly so i guess the the, the short story is um it's all right I think there's a worse way to play games, but I'm mainlining it. I'm not bothering with any side quest, and there's probably a lot more we can do. But it hasn't really grabbed me, unfortunately, and there's only so many hours in a day. Um, but, yeah, we continue. Nevertheless, we persist. Okay, so both King Kong Groover and Mitsuyama, thank you very much for your clips. And for anybody else, please do keep them coming in. It's nice to have a couple of repeat clips over each of the individual episodes so hopefully you'll be able to do the same for episodes three and four but likewise for anybody else who might be in any way tempted to drop us a submission please do so they always add to the episode we were just prior to that discussing where we think the story might go or where we'd like it to go uh jim you were asking us whether it'll get <laughs> more interesting <laughs> or not um it's good I, I think Stick for me, I, I would say, listen, how many hours it was, and Mitsuyama even says himself in his clip there, he was saying that he's kind of waiting for the game to get going and that, you know, it's okay, but he's also put 44 hours into it, I think he was saying. So it's, there's something that is. 44 hours into this already? Yeah, that's what I think that, yeah, if I've got, if I heard his clip right. And so it's one of these things that, you know, this game, there's a reason why people are keeping that are keeping going with it and there is I would imagine there's a reason why it mm. won so many awards and whether that's because it's some of it is slightly backloaded in the game I don't know well it'll be it'll be very interesting to see where we end up but I would say that we've come this far and you know there is there's enough there to and also the next two sections are significantly shorter so uh, the next two parts are basically combined are the same as what the the two episodes the two individual episodes we've just done are i think there's no like i say only 14 missions left to finish the game up we've just we've just played 16 we played 25 in the first episode so yeah. mm. there's not it, that much left to come 
we're about three quarters of the way through the story, I reckon. Okay. Yeah. Um, what okay. look? What I would say, Jim and Mads, is I I don't think if you're not down with it, and obviously many of our listen, many of our Discord members aren't, you know, and it seems to be something to do with you know whether or not you've got any fondness for it from back in the day seems to be a yep. some kind of indicator because it does it does seem that for those who haven't played it before people are lukewarm at best you know you've got the likes of Reese who it's like yeah it's all right and then you you know you've got Mads and others and and there are plenty of others who agree with Mads that it's just you know there is just nothing there for them yeah. I don't think there is going to be a huge amount that will change your mind I have to say I think if you've got this far okay. and you don't like it I don't think you're going to change your mind now probably not but I would say Stick with it nonetheless because you're so it. because you are so close to the end. But then, I mean, yeah. Reese by his own admission was saying that he's not a massive fan of op- these type of open world games. So True. there's maybe not going to be some this game as good to me as I think it is. Is not it's never going to work for him. Possibly yeah. not. I don't know. And then I guess Mads, have you have you played many Assassin's Creed games? Did you enjoy those at all? I only played uh, the first one and. Yeah. For some reason, I never finished it actually, but uh, yeah, I, jo- I enjoyed it. it yeah, the, the, the reason I ask is because it's probably the one from that era that I remember enjoying most, and it's where I think maybe Chris and I, and I, I don't think I have, I have some nostalgia for this game definitely, but I can remember so little of it that it, it really is like playing it for the, the in some respects, the first time again, but. There's, it's not even like I'm trying to... I, I'm playing it like a first time as well in the sense that I will just drop back in for an hour and just roam around in the world, which mm. I wouldn't do if I was just replaying a game, I don't think. Mm. But you know, I guess we, we were saying that I think we're on the same page when it maybe comes to... We're quite collectory by nature. And yeah, I love it, yeah. I, I think so much of my enjoyment of this game comes from combining all the different aspects where you've got this story that you're working your way through but the whole time that I'm working my way through the story in between missions I've also got on my mind at the back of my head yeah. what flowers I need to be looking out yeah, for exactly that whether yeah. or not there is you know another ambient challenge I can be doing I'll also either be looking out for a yeah. treasure location maybe for a specific landmark yeah. that I don't yet know where it is and so the whole time you really just that to me is why I always feel like I'm really in this world is because yeah. I'm not just playing a story there's so many different elements and facets to it that I'm doing in conjunction I'm looking out for a specific animal that I'm collecting eight skins off whatever it is I'm looking for a cougar that I need to kill with a stick of dynamite all these sorts of things that yeah. when, you, when one just pops up you're like right now's my oh chance my God, that's my is. moment yeah yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> and you will abandon whatever mission you were riding out to go and do and then try yeah. and go and do that bit instead and I, I so love I that got, aspect of it it got so I, I completely agree I find like the I like the outfits, you know, and the fact it gives you a checklist of things mm. that you need to achieve. Like, it's manner from heaven to Ditto. me. Ditto. I adore it. Like, I, the fact it gives you a list of things to do. Yeah. And, you you know, you might do so. Like, I, I, I really enjoy playing Liar's Dice. So I had a random game of Liar's Dice in somewhere like Casa Madrigada. And... I won it. I won the game of Liar's Dice. And because I did, that yep, was that a is one of them thing. For the... Yeah, 
but it was an outfit that I hadn't revealed yet. But the fact ah, that I ticked okay. one of the things off the list, and I was like a new list to do. Oh, God. <laughs> you <laughs> mean there's it more? Got, <laughs> it got so bad for me that one of the side quests in Mexico is that the guy who's trying to fly on the cliff. And, yes. And basically, is it Diadolus and Son or Daedalus and Son? Daedalus and Son. It gives you a shopping list, basically, of things yeah. you want, which makes doesn't make a lot of sense. But, but there's one, one of the, the items things, we can't get yet, which is, yeah, the is killing me. Pelt. The beaver's pelts, yes. I had the kids researching where the where are beavers, what's their habitat, what can, what time of day are yeah. they most active, and I worked out in the end that it was like right, so it's mainly like wooded areas around rivers, and it when I went on to the actual description of the stranger mission, it said you will find beavers up north <laughs> in the plain view. Yep, so they're only in West hours. Elizabeth. They're on the north, so you basically you can't act, until you've completed the Mexico arc, you can't get to the beavers. So there, which I love about this is that there are side missions that you will have to retrace your steps. You'll you'll have to come back into Mexico to finish some yeah, of these exactly. story arcs. Yeah. You'll have to go back into New Austin to finish some of them because I spent some of the two st- hours looking for beaver. <laughs> I, I could have I could have told you that it was sounds like any Friday. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> the um I the. Uh, there's, and I think that's going to be the case for quite a few bits. There's, I, that's why I'm absolutely itching to get up into West Elizabeth because there is a whole load of stuff up there that allows us to continue checking things off. Plus, I think there's two or three still undiscovered outfits. But Matt, you, you, you obviously you're you're kind of mainline in this now. Um, yes. Does all that talk of you know lists for outfits and collectathons like? I, if no. someone was telling me that that was in a game, I'd be thinking, oh, my God, I need to get involved in that. Does it just make your blood just run cold? Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> fair definitely. enough. I, I mean, it, 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 if, if I like open world games and if I find a world I really like to be in, then I may do some of that. But, mm. I, I mean, I would do 50% of it. I'd never 100% a game mm. like that. I did a lot in, uh, in Breath of Horizon. the Wild. I did quite a lot in Horizon as well. Mm. Those game worlds I I liked uh, being in. I, I've said a, a number of times. I, I think the the world building and the sense of space is what this game does best. Mm. But it's still not a world I like being in. Mm. I mean, I hate that every time I've written for thirty seconds, somebody's yelling at me, and uh, probably they want to shoot me. And hey, I want to lift. No, really, I want to shoot you. Yeah. Or hey, help yeah. me with my wagon. No, I want to shoot you. Hey, somebody stole my horse. It's the same five things yeah, that happens yeah. all yes. the time, and it disturbs yeah, me. Yeah. Just if all of those guys would just shut up just leave and let me alone. ride around, I, I'd enjoy doing those kind of stuff more. I enjoyed mm-hmm. finding the flowers, for example. Was let down by what that then led to. <laughs> but yeah, I it's a shame that was the early the one. Yeah, yeah, um, it would definitely put you off doing yeah. more. So, so I, I actually kind of like the worlds for riding around in, and it looks beautiful upscale, mm-hmm. as we said many times on the Series X. It's it's really really beautiful world to 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 ride around in but no I, I need to be invested in the world to want to do that kind of stuff and I'd never be interested in outfits I mean that just sounds horrible I mean, <laughs> if it gave me some some combat bonuses I mean I spent a lot of time getting they do okay I spent a lot of time getting the right uh, the right armors and, and getting that armor unlocked in Horizon for mm. example the special one yeah it's not like I had that. good fun doing that no, but I had good fun doing that but, but uh, no no that. And and again, in this game, why would you want a better outfit with better armor for a game that is no challenge? 
I mean, if, if, if I was losing all the time, then maybe I'd be running around trying to get some upgrades or better weapons or I, I bet I could have just bought no weapons at all and still be winning this game, right? I, I think probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think well. it's... Um, yeah, I think for me it's it's a real kind of... It's a sense of satisfaction that I get from ticking off these lists and from... yeah. Yeah. Completing these, yeah, I, I, and, and I, I don't, I don't get any sense of satisfaction from taking yeah, off lists, and that's so, ca- so to each their own. I, yeah. it's lovely that you're having fun. Oh, I'm, I'm having the time of my life. It's um, that's good. But uh, well, I guess <laughs> what about what about you, Jim? I mean, what, where do you stand on all this? I suspect you're probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I'm enjoying the game for, and I do with with these open world games. Breath of the Wild was the same. I enjoy. The stories that when you when you go off and do these side missions and the things that fall out of that, I just I just hope in the last quarter of the game that it's going to deliver the story a little bit just a little bit differently mm. rather than sort of teasing you through Speaking it. Speaking of the story, we forgot to talk about the raise missions at all because we got the listen clips. If you want to call that any. Well, yeah, I was asking. Um, there was whether or not you guys had much to say about that. I was just asking about the the conclusion of that. There, where obviously it ends up with um, Iendi and Williamson dead. But yeah, did you want to just quickly mm. close that loop for what it was? Yeah, I, I guess we should talk about Reyes as the character as well. Um, oh yeah, we haven't yeah. done that, have we? Yeah, we haven't talked about him at all. No, no, no. Well, we can easily do that now. So, like I say, we he's a baddie. We did talk through it all, but yeah, yes. he is definitely. Uh, he's not there for the right reasons. That's for sure. No, no, no. And so was, anybody want to have a ghost before I I sound too negative because uh, he's, he's probably the the person uh, I hate most in this game. I'll 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 go first <laughs> this time. Um, yes. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's another deplorable character, and I think this is where Mexico mm. does does bog itself down a little bit because you're you're from pillar to post between two pretty pretty awful uh, characters. Uh, you know, intentionally in my you know my opinion, you know, I think the point they're trying to make is, you know, this is you know, and in some ways I suppose it would have been easy for them to make a sympathetic rebel character on the basis that look, you know, rebels are good and and your know, big big bad government is bad. So I quite I quite applaud them from making both sides as bad as the other, and I think they do. You don't feel good. I mean, if I probably had to choose, I I I hate the Mexican army missions more than the rebel ones. But I hate working with Reyes. I hate the way he treats Luisa. Again, I don't think it's brilliantly written. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, almost vindictively badly written. I just think it's all just a little unsubtle. It, the way he, uh, the you know, he can't get a name right. You know, it, it, it does feel like a little bit of a running joke by the end, not one that I ever found very funny. And you just, in the he end... He doesn't you know, know who, he, who she is. No. And he, he, we, we get that in every single mission, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it does, but it does the, bash to, you over the head with it But to sure. the point, it's almost... Yeah. It's implausible that he wouldn't know who she is or what her name is, just even in the, the timescales mm. of those. Unless he's managing to find a lot of time to be up to no good with other people. You know, even just the, the, the timescale these events happen over, there's no way that he can't know who that... And that is kind of... that where it, And I'm talking from somebody who, like I say, very much... 
supports this game. That for me, there were it was the events like this that kind of crossed it even into the sort of the absurd territory because you think, well, it's just there's just that that is not possible that you wouldn't yeah, know who stupid. she is or who you're referring yeah, to. Stupid. So okay. I was, it would be I was okay the first time because he he is yes. definitely a womanizer and yes. in that he wants to he says by his own accord he wants to spread his seed as far as wide as possible because all of those peasants should have some more noble children yeah. so yes. his children of course so he he wants to just impregnate every woman in in Mexico yeah he's um, awful so 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 it would be okay for him to not remember it the first time it just becomes that that running joke just uh, fell flat for me yeah it got old very quickly yeah yeah i don't think i mean again you know and again, i don't know i i don't think it's meant to be a joke it kind of starts to feel like yeah but again i you know maybe i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt too much you know i just feel like it's you, you don't even think that is supposed to be funny no i don't think feel like we're supposed to laugh at it seriously Okay. Well, well, Marston kind of, you know, he Marston kind of rails against him every time he does it. I feel yeah. like we're supposed to be on the side of Marston being like, come on, mate, you know, this is absolutely ridiculous. But again, I just don't think it's, it's, it's just not brilliantly done for me. But I don't, I certainly don't think the writers were intending for us to laugh at it. I could be wrong. I think you are. Otherwise, it's really, really exceptionally badly written. The bit that Especially did, with Marston railing against it every single time. Yeah, the, so the conversational parts, I it just frustrated and annoyed me, to be honest. But the bit that did make me smile slightly was when he, uh, when you first rescue him and you get him to Louisa, who's waiting down by the riverside, and I think mm. he takes her out of the and he, and he starts serenading her, but yes. calls her calls her calls her Laura, and while singing her this while singing this song to her, that definitely that definitely got a little chuckle out of me. It was just the, uh, mm. the just kind of the the absurdity of that, and the fact that at no point does she say, "I'm not Laura, I'm Louisa," and you know <laughs> he's he's never called out on it. She just stands there, listens mm. to her to him serenading her as Laura. <laughs> I'm just looking at this, oh. this. I'm just looking at the script of that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Uh, he's he's a pretty. I, I think by this time I was done. Uh, you know, by the time you get to the end of these missions, yeah, you know, I was done with Mexico, and I remember feeling exactly the same way first time round. Mm. I felt like it just bogged itself down. It, it went on just a little bit too long for me. This whole yeah. chase for Williamson, yeah, because yeah, it. I look back, I think, on what happens next, and think, God, it did, it did, it did get itself a little bit bogged down there in that middle section. Mm. But this, this is also the the worst part of the writing, as such. This is where they try to go as low as possible for every single time they can. I mean, there's this great, well, it's it's something we've heard in many movies before. If if the, you you know your your father beats you, so you go out and beat the dog. But they need to rewrite that in this game to be you go out and rape the dog because we just need to need to be a, a bit lower. And mm. there's a, I, I can't quote because I can't speak that badly on the show. Yeah, what he don't says about Louisa and why he can't why he can't marry her, uh, for example. And and I I just feel like the language in this part, especially for Reyes when he was talking, they always they always went took it to eleven. Just that bit bit more juvenile, that bit more. Yeah, childish, really. I would I, definitely I do, say watch, I, watch, watch an episode of Dead. Watch the first episode yeah, of Dead. Yeah, I do maintain that it's not untypical mm. for this kind. Of, you know, and I would even cite Game of Thrones as well as one where you know we. There's definitely parts in Game of. I, I'm watching Game of Thrones actually. Uh, I've, I've read read them 
a long time ago. I'm watching right now with my uh, my daughter. There's there's some of that in how people talk to Daenerys sometimes. Yeah, I, I think definitely, and and I, I find it just as jarring there. Actually, so. and it, it's a, it, I think it's a it's a taste thing, mate. You know, we we watched two, mm. we've watched three episodes of Deadwood, and my wife has said, "I can't watch this anymore. Like it's too much." Yeah, and Fine. it's it's, it's also it's it's really cr- a lot of the like it's not even humor, but just the language and a lot of the it's very, it's really crude. It's a, a lot of it is of a sexual nature, and and it's it, mm. it, it is gratuitous, you know. Yeah. Times, but I don't, you know, I it's a taste thing, isn't it? You know, I, I don't I don't like sweary podcasts. Some people some people don't mind it, you know. It I like the likes of Retro Game Squad, despite the swearing. I wish they didn't swear. Um, yeah. See, that doesn't bother me. No. <laughs> yeah. It's just where yeah. our sensitivities lie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, totally. I, I wish, I wish it was better written, to be honest. And you know, I've been thinking a lot about the Last of Us last couple of days because we're a few days away from the premiere, you know, and yes, thinking back and you know, thinking that that's the bar, you know, in terms of video game narrative for me. Oh, obviously not counting Disco Elysium, which is just a, a way above. <laughs> yeah. I'd love, I'd love a game like this, and, and you know, from someone who enjoys the story, I'd love a game like this to be written by Neil Druckmann. Oh, for sure. Well, but it was a point that Mr. Yama made earlier in his clip, and he was saying, "Do you think that perhaps, and maybe less of you, Chris, because you're playing on original hardware, but." He was saying maybe his issue with it is because it looks so good upscaled. Is that you're treating it through? You're, you're treating it as a more modern game than what it is, mm. and then maybe possibly doing it a disservice by doing so. Do you think there's any truth in that? I don't really buy that, to be honest. No, it, it plays like a game that's 15, 13 years old. Yeah, to my in my for my money. And then maybe if you're if you are trying to tell a a sort of stronger narrative, you've got to lose. You've got to lose something. Can can you do both? Can you have this open world and a strong narrative? Well, can you think of one from 13 years ago? Can you think of one around that time that did this successfully? But, but I, I don't see what should have changed. Why should they not be able to do it 13 years ago if they can today? I mean, this, this game looks and, and feels... I think, we are not moving that fast anymore, right? Yeah. So, so they have an open world. They have uh, characters they can move around. They have a story. Yeah, but there was big. You, you don't think the games are better written now, or that they maybe hundred percent yeah. a game written? Oh now yes, would they, be, they are. But even but even they, if they even if they wrote this game now, it would not. Mm. A lot of the criticisms we've had of it, and where we think it misses the mark, and it, a lot of it doesn't sit easy with us. I just don't think they would write that. There'd be elements of it, and like I say, I, I absolutely maintain yeah, true. that a lot of this Old West language and culture, that is absolutely essential to the story and to the setting, but I think I, I think it would be more subtly done, and I think it would be better done if they wrote yeah, it now, true. Compared, yeah, to, definitely. compared to then. You just mm-hmm. wouldn't get away with some of the stuff now, I don't think. I think, I think the difference is now, and, and you know, there are exceptions, I mean, Last of Us was only 2013, but but for every Neil Druckmann, there are a good few hundred competent, but probably no better people writing scripts for games, you know, then and now. And I think if, you know, given the amount of resources that Rockstar would throw at this, if they remade Red Dead Redemption, and again, this could be completely inaccurate and completely wrong, I would put a lot of money on the fact that the writer of the script in a remake would not be the same 
person who wrote the script first time round. Mm. I just think yeah. they bring in someone better at the craft. Yeah, I agree with that. But Rockstar, apart from the GTA series, what have they done that actually tells a good story? I know Red, Red Dead, Dead two, Redemption apparent, 2. Apparently, yes, mate. Exactly, but uh, apart from that... But, that, but their last game before that was twenty was GTA Five, yeah, and that was okay. twenty thirteen. Mm. Yeah, so they've Is not made a game. They've made one game in the last wow. ten years. Is GTA Five almost ten years old? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was three sixty, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, ten no. years ago. But I mean, I've never seen them as storytellers. I know that yeah. they are in Red Dead Redemption Two. Definitely, and I look forward to playing that at some it was, point. It but but I've never seen them as storytellers. I, I enjoyed playing GTA 3, and possibly I played Vice City, but not for the story, not for the gunplay. It was for the cars, driving yeah. around those cars in those cities. That was great. Yeah. But I, I think there is a great story in this game. There absolutely think, is, and I, I, I just I, don't I'm 100% think convinced of that. I just don't think it's told brilliantly. Now, obviously... Mm. What's a great story and what isn't is a complete matter of opinion, but I, I think here... for. For me, there's a great story that is only competently told. Yeah, the, the story of 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 Jack Mastron and then his family being kidnapped—that's the story. That part of it. Yeah, is yeah, what you, enjoy and, you know, and and the the you know because the 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 nineteen eleven you know the the fate the decline of the Wild West you know the mm. encroaching modernization. You know, even I think the Mexican Revolution bit could have been well told. I just don't think it is. Yeah, I think there's some of these scenes could have carried more weight than what they did had they been better written in the run up to that. The likes of Luisa's death, etc. I think you know they could have been really quite tragic events in the game had they had they sort of carried a bit more emotional weight yeah. and a bit more. Um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, really. Just a bit more. I don't know if you'd sort of maybe felt a bit more responsible for perhaps if they just toned it down a little bit and the likes of when you were going into these when you went into that rebel settlement and you were you know just killing them willy nilly and burning places down they they, they could have there's a lot of that that could have been dialed back and subtlety mate yeah you Subtle could have team. been you could have been sort of privy to what was happening and you know you you participated but not to that extent in the sense yeah. that you arrive there and you suddenly become. You absolutely horrified at the sight of yeah. what you're about to have to I, th- I think and what, it may be they're almost like you're almost forced at gunpoint to, to execute yeah. one of them or something rather than just yeah. shooting them all endlessly these types mm. of things I think it'd be, it'd be a lot more open to the player to make those decisions now yeah I do as well yeah. yes yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. but I'd really like to see an experiment of course this will never happen but how much does would, would just changing changing nothing don't change the game, don't change what happens, but just don't even change the dialogue lines, that's fine. Change the voice actors to show some more feeling, to to make these per people actually seem evil, like Allende, and make uh, Marston's show a bit more emotions and so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the voice work in The Last of Us was like watching a Hollywood production, right? Hmm. That, that, yeah. that quality of production brought here, would that be enough? I mean... Perhaps it would actually turn my opinion of the narrative if I felt it a bit more. Mm. I think Maybe I'd see it the way Chris sees it, for example, if if I felt it a bit more in the acting. Yeah. There's definitely a direction point as well, isn't it? You know, what you were saying earlier about the likes of the, some of the dialogue that Allende and um, Reyes has. You know, yeah. it, it, 
it may well be not necessarily the work of the actors. It may well be whoever's directing them, you know, is asking them to adopt a certain tone, you know. Yeah, and that's where I feel that that tone lends itself more to kind of comedy, pastiche, uh, than what they want to deliver or what, at least what, what I think they want to do. But then I think probably like with The Last of Us, it maybe really broke the mold and proved a point that maybe by... Um, you you don't have to overact it, and it's okay sometimes if if, if you're brave enough to. It's a far it's if a far the writing's so, good enough. Yeah, but it's also the performances are there are far softer, less dramatic performance in terms of. But it's it's the delivery of the lines and the emotion in the in the delivery of those lines in The Last of Us that there's not really, you know, when you think about it, there's uh, how poignant it is maybe when Joel and Ellie end up having an argument and stuff because there's really there's not that much shouting between people there's not that much confrontation between him and her and you know there's a bit of tension mm-hmm. but again it just comes back to that subtlety isn't it and just allowing that these big moments become far bigger it's as a consequence rather yeah. than sort of having it just repeatedly rammed down your throat and that you kind of the, the 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 way to perform these characters is to be bigger brasher bolder type thing whereas i mean the likes of Ayendi is a prime example i mean you could have made him a proper evil bastard by um underplaying him more along the likes of um Again, just going back to who was the character that you bump into that ends up being the cannibal? Was it was it Bill? Who was the, who was the cannibal that you in in the Last of Us that was? Um, he's a, he's a really oh um, in the first yeah, one, yeah, David. Yeah, yeah. David, yes. Mm. I mean another prime example where it was just you mm. just yeah just that real sort of underlying sinisterness played by Nolan North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. I, I would have liked to to have seen that instead. That that I think that would have completely changed yeah. the game for me because as I f- feel about the game right now if a game has good narrative I can live with uh, bad gameplay if a mm. game has great gameplay I can live with bad narrative mm. for me it, it falls a bit flat on both yep and and because I'm not invested in the world I don't feel like running I don't want to do stranger missions I don't want to yeah and that side quest thing yeah I think that's where it's its own worst enemy because I think sometimes by, by going off and doing these things you actually get some of the better writing, some of the more subtle aspects, yeah, yeah, more subtle storytelling, and it's do, it helps to balance you, because out. Because the the reason that I'm mainlining this is that I, I mean, the side missions were what was really killing my mood in yeah. the first part. I did you ever find? Did you find the one that I was talking about? The one called California with Sam Odessa. No, I don't think so. I yeah, need I that so. to spawn for one of my damn outfits and <laughs> I, I I confess to looking at a guide to see how and I've ridden round that area where it's supposed to spawn for ages and it just won't spawn is some of this related to your uh, fame and it must honor? be because it must be I don't seem to have had that many missions trigger uh, in compared in compared comparison to the first area, I've not I had anywhere near as but not as many mate generally. No, okay. No, there's not. There is. I can maybe even tell you that. In fact, I think. But I didn't know. I know you mentioned it before. I didn't know if some of this stuff was locked out by one, two, on a bars or There's seven stranger missions in Mexico. Okay. Yeah, we had a lot more in in America, didn't we? Felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I tried the first time around to do all of the stranger missions, and and that I, I really didn't like the storytelling there. So that's why I stick I stuck to the main storyline this time to see if I would enjoy it more. 
You probably would have been better. Maybe off that was the wrong choice in Mexico. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, we probably would never be able to convince you to play Red Dead Redemption Two, Mads. But I just look. Yes, at what, yes, I want to play Red Dead Redemption Two. And we're looking at what. Well, I'm glad because looking at what Blue Thief said earlier on Discord, I'm just going to read just a section of what he said. He says, mm-hmm. um, "Really interested to follow the story to the conclusion this time, but definitely get the whole discussion about the maturity of the game." Red Dead Redemption 2 definitely feels more grown up. If you had to show a non-gamer what a game can do, you'd pick the second game for the storytelling. Yeah. I mean, that's someone who's also mentioned in his uh, subsequent post about The Last of Us. So in that context, you know, he yeah. obviously thinks very highly about the story of uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I'd, it'd just be interesting to compare and contrast the tone, wouldn't it? Mm. So I played it back in yeah. 2018, and it was the last big game I played before my first daughter was born and so I was able to kind of properly really get into it so I, I, I played a lot and this so where we now bought just five years ago just over five just over four years ago really um, it had a similar effect on me like say four bit years ago as what this did back in 2010 it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good game well worth it if there's any kind of even if you've had a glimmer or a lot of what we've discussed saying oh maybe could it be this could it be that I would say that this the second game if the first one gets close to or is if the first one's even hinting at it the second one probably achieves a lot of what the first one promised definitely mm. it's a very different yeah different tone definitely um, but a bigger game I will warn you now Chris it's a much bigger game mate with... I'm all over it I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll commit you know, I'll be checking off those lists and collecting those plants, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready Chris, to make that my next will, hundred hour game for sure. We, we we could do fifty episodes just on that game. It is there is so much to go and see and do. The four of us can do four episodes, and you and I will do another fifty. I'll happily sign up to that right now if you want. Yeah. Um, well, I guess you do do a whole spin-off show. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The Red Dead Redemption Two Collectathon show. Yeah, it's still red yes. and dead, and it's twenty thirty-two. Um, Chris, I had promised you that we would talk about treasure hunting. Are you okay if we put that onto the next episode? Absolutely, mate. We've no gone ways. long, but I think it's been a good and worthwhile discussion. No, I completely agree, you know, and there will be less to discuss in terms of the story on the next two episodes, so we can kind of start to cover off on all this ancillary stuff and we'll have hopefully just about concluded a lot of it by that point as well um so in terms of where we go next and what we do we are going to well we're going up to west elizabeth which is a section up to the north that connects onto thieves landing snow. We'll, we get snow up there we do and everything that comes with that yes some new hunting challenges um i will play up to and including the mission called and the truth will set you free which concludes act three and leaving us just the final one to play um as always uh, there's been quite a lot especially in recent days in the run-up to this recording this um the discord uh, probably timing wise as well with Christmas New Year but the Discord seems to have burst back into life over the last few days it's been great so that's where yeah. a lot of our chat happens but outside of that um, just search Discord for Playthrough but otherwise on Twitter at Playthrough underscore pod we are on Instagram Facebook and what's the other one that we use do we use another one Twitch just search for Playthrough pod Jim knows. Yeah. <laughs> Don't maybe he's go a, down that he's road. A, he's a social <laughs> media manager. And 
the, uh, we also have our website at www.playthroughpod.com where all of these episodes are available for download. Um, before we wrap things up, gents, was there anything that you wanted to talk about from this episode that's been written on a piece of paper at your side that you've been waiting to have one final say at some, about something? Or are we covered at the time? I'd like to apologise to apologise to, to Chris because I... I I, I didn't mean to call him a 15-year-old boy. That's uh, definitely not my intention. It's. Uh, <laughs> I hope it comes across what I actually mean. <laughs> I'm sure everybody got exactly what you meant, Mads. Do not worry about that. But it's very noble of you and very... Uh, like, but like I say, and we've said as much... I know the... you love me really, Mads. Don't worry. <laughs> even though... Even though you don't like good detective stories and you think I'm a 15-year-old <laughs> But as we said in the Discord, and as we say every time to people to either write or contribute or whatever it is, like, we welcome every single opinion here. Every, every opinion is just as valid as anybody else's. And it's important that we can have these discussions and sometimes they might get a bit more animated than other times and hopefully that's what makes for a good listen. But the whole point is that we need to be honest about how we feel about a game and ideally hopefully give you the reasons for that and you could ultimately make up your own minds we're all big boys and girls at the end of the day and we are talking about video game let's ultimately let's, let's keep that in, let's, let's keep that in mind as well yes before. we're talking about a way to waste our time a very enjoyable way to waste the time but let's face it yes. yeah yeah it's, uh, yeah yeah so we certainly don't advocate any internet hate campaigns against fellow hosts no. or anything along the lines <laughs> the um good gents well as always it's been an absolute pleasure a very very enjoyable episode we've covered a lot and there is plenty more yet to come so i hope i really do hope that maybe by the time we next record you've at least had one or two glimpses of the game that I'm, I've kind of seen the whole way through and if not then thank you for sticking with it because that's just as important that you're willing to persevere and play a game you might not be enjoying as much as what I'd hoped you would so um, we'll see where we are in a couple of weeks time and take it from there any shout outs or any thank yous you guys would like to pass on I do have one shout out to Carl from the video game newsroom time machine who hit me up uh, well actually earlier today to tell me he's been listening to uh, all of the episodes and uh, to tell me that I'm very very wrong about uh, Red Dead Redemption that, uh, <laughs> I know he, what you're saying that right uh, of my, <laughs> he, he agrees with all of my points about the writing and the storytelling but uh, I'm missing the point completely and I, I don't know why yet but he's going to tell me next time we record together he says I've always, I've always liked Carl yeah, he says that, yeah, he's a sensible man. Yeah, you're welcome. You're always welcome here, Carl. Good man. <laughs> yeah, I also like to shout out Carl because he also hit me up today as well. But he didn't. He, he didn't mention Red Dead Redemption. Now I am going to try and make some time to record with uh, with Carl soon because I enjoyed my uh, my one time outing on that podcast. He runs a very good show, Video Game Newsroom Time Machine. It's uh, yeah. If you're into your video game and computing industry history, man, that is a podcast for you. Go and have a listen. Um, While I'm here... Carl has been so busy because there's so much going on in those time jumps he does right now. So he's actually cut it down to only two time jumps now. I've not noticed that, has he? Those are the good ones. The ones that go far back. Yeah, I must say, when we finished recording the episode, I recorded him at about one in the morning. I did think... I did wonder whether he was biting off more than he could chew, but... um, Good on you, Carl. You're doing a, a, a valuable service. Yeah, just a usual shout-outs, Dean uh, Swain for our covers, Greg Christensen for our covers too yes. as well, of course, for Always. Red Dead. Look, hopefully she'll get her uh, pens out for this one as well, we hope. Um, Steve for the music, of course. Martin for the website. 
you guys, and in particular Mads, for bringing for bringing the opinions. It's all it's always it's such good fun. That's why it's what we we're do here it. for. Yep. Yeah, elevates yeah. elevates our experiences of the game when we can uh, when we can natter about it. And uh, yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, I'm done. Jim, anything? Just uh, just to thank you again for the clips. Um, it's it's yeah, great, and, and exactly for, for all the uh, for all the chat on the yeah. Discord is great to see. Yep, always, and yeah. Uh, yeah, as I say, and I, sometimes I know that we won't always reference everything that we that gets written in Discord, etc. But I can assure you, we do read it and we do discuss it, and it definitely forms part of our conversation. So definitely. keep contributing. Thank you very much, yeah. and yeah. gentlemen, yeah. congratulations once again on fifty episodes of this wonderful little podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you and goodbye. Cheers. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Another short one. Always. Another short one, yeah. <laughs>